Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, we're live, it's just after 8 o'clock in the evening in the UK. You can do the arithmetic for what time it is, wherever else you are in the world. Actually just look at your watch, it's much easier. And we have a packed programme tonight, more on that in a moment. Uh, it's been a decent day here in the UK. Up in London we have our executive producer Tim Gray. Hello Tim. Hello, John, and do you know what special day it is today? It's World Radio Day today. It's dear. World Radio Day today, and therefore we're celebrating by bringing you a very special edition of Midweek Motorsport. It's episode 6 of series 14, and this is our joy of six. Six different... Uh, hmm. Can we... Uh, we might need to just gloss over that a bit. Um, six different... Uh, interviewees tonight as well as our contributors who join in as well. Let me do a little bit of housekeeping before we get uh, cracking on. Whelan says listening to Midweek Motorsport in traffic on the way to work. Not sure where you are, Whelan. Actually, aren't you in um, Australasia? I think you are. Uh, Settling in to celebrate World Radio Day says right uh, turn lover. Excellent stuff. Mike Sargent is tuning into Midweek Motorsport while digging out after a Canadian blizzard. Hello, everybody who's had rather bad weather. Uh, Ian McCarthy is uh, AFA tonight. Apologies for absence, that is. Looking forward to the PAC podcast. Hope the greater collective and hosts are all well. We are. Thank you. Uh, Moni, Monica, how are you tonight? Tuned in from her cube. Kevin Payne has AFAs tonight as well. Uh, Brentford this evening. So, podcast again for us. I don't know why Brentford particularly means you have to be on the... The podcast. Velasud. Uh, that is so 1970s. Uh, another big show, says oh, wow. Velasud. Uh, and Carol Brink is in howling winds and a beer covered with white caps, but a good day to listen to Midweek Motorsport on RS1 here. That's at uh, Monterey Bay. Sarah Rigby is finished her evening clinic, just heading home, tuned in live and listening to all the news the crotch belt says uh, this is a big show tonight if you guys ever thought about doing one show completely hammered this would be the one would would we ever even consider doing one sober don't even say that Chris, Christopher Matthias says EFAs for me I'm starting my shift at the same time as the show I'm recording and uh, will be listening in, to my, uh, in my earliest ex- uh, convenience uh, I'll make it with a Nürburgring-like snow squall uh, in the area. Okay. Uh, add speculation, please, if you don't mind. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's series... Is this 14 now, Tim? It is 14. Episode six. The Joy of Six. Someone on uh, Facebook, I can't remember who it was, has suggested we call it the Six Pack. Okay. David Faulkner, that was. Right, straight six. Straight six. 
is the best engine configuration in the world. And if you don't agree with oh, flat six, oh, flat six or straight six, add spectatement if you're not it sure. It depends if you are on a car or a bike. Yes, yes. Adrian Michael Reese is listening with both ears for a change uh, this evening. Uh, Nick Holland says, looking forward to it. You're not sponsored by a cigarette company, are you? No, 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 no. Absolutely not. John McCarthy listening live tonight. Uh, and oh, let's get started. Play the jingle and let's have... You haven't asked me what's on the show. Oh, no, I really haven't. I was so excited, sorry. On a packed show tonight, Tim, we have what in the joy of six? We have all the usual features plus our six special guests. Wow. It's a bit like Brabham in 1991. I thought it was Tyrrell. No, it turned out that they were different years. Okay. Because uh, Brundle was 94 and Blundell was 93. But they did race together at uh, Brabham in 1991. So we've got... We've got Brundle and Blundell reunited. Uh, we also have a hill, but not uh, Damon. That one, yes. Because uh, he raced at Brabham as well, didn't he? He did. Uh, we have uh, La Bamba. <laughs> Earl Bamba, Earl Bamba. yes. Well, uh, we might have, because he's in training camp at the moment. I'm not sure if he's got time to come and talk to us, but we'll give that a go. Our big interview is Jan Mardenborough. Yes. He definitely never raced with Brabham. Yeah, and we know that that is... Uh, and we know that's happening because we recorded that earlier in the week. Uh, yes, on Saturday, wasn't it? Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. And uh, we also hope to have Ben Keating. Uh, oh, right. He's, uh, I'm told he's travelling. He's in Colorado at the moment. But I have his phone That's number. exciting. And we'll give that a go. And there's more, because we also have A big return. announcement. Well... We have two big announcements. You've got a big announcement, I've got a haven't very you? big announcement. Uh, my announcement is massive. It will be the most massive motorsport announcement you'll have heard this week. Forget any announcements that might have happened yesterday... This is a bigger announcement. And we have the return of Nick Damon at RC Racing. Hooray! Oh, hello! Whoa. No, you could have done a hooray. No, um, there's, there's BF1 coming at some point. I don't know over the hooraying. What I like is it's a return of an absence of a whole week, but I'm back. Yeah, and but you haven't been here since... In fact, you haven't been haven't here been, since this year. I haven't been at Hindoff Towers since November due to our non-matching travel schedules. Mm, absolutely. Shall we crack on and play the jingle? Yes. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And we should say, by the way, and thank you to Adrian Michael Reese, who's tweeted in at Specutainment, that uh, Brundle and Blundell, could have so much trouble that night, were teammates at Leisure in 1993 as well. Sorry, Nick, go ahead. I thought it was Leisure, but you seem so sure. Uh, it's not me. At half season each, didn't they, with the Guri Suzuki? Yeah. Oh no, Suzuki was uh, oh, sharing in '95, wasn't he? Never mind, carry on. Uh, and wasn't Mark Blundell at Tyrrell in '93? Let's move on. <laughs> Top story tonight is all about Le Mans. It is. The 24 hours of uh, the ACO have announced some <laughs> of the entries. Right. Let's stop that immediately. Right. It's a bit of an odd one this year because. Of course, normally what we do is we take the we take the announcement live for WEC and Le Mans, 
and I, in my very bad schoolboy French, do simultaneous translation, mostly getting it wrong. Uh, and that's not happening this year, Nick, because, of course, there's no WEC announcement. Well, no, because they... Because um, we're in the middle of the season. The season. It, 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 yeah, what they've effectively done is rather than giving you a chance to get up ridiculously early at Bathurst or the week after, uh, they have turned around and announced uh, 42 cars, which effectively are the cars, I think, with, with one notable exception, we could all tick off ourselves, which is the full season entries from um, the WEC, the, yep. auto, sorry, the, the, the auto entry, the invited entry, the, the competition... Invitations, love. Thank you. Invitations. I haven't got from uh, ELMS and... Uh, that's about it because of course as you know they couldn't um, invite the Asian Le Mans series for the very good reason the championship's not finished yet and and they haven't decided to announce the IMSA uh, invitations even but though there will be invitations they're obviously going to do that at a separate time no the, the IMSA auto invitations are there right but the IMSA additional invitations yes. are not and I, I, I know there are a number of people who are complaining about the fact that Corvette isn't on there that's because the IMSA invitations aren't on there yet. I am prepared to put quite a lot of my money on the fact there'll be two Corvettes at uh, well, Le Mans, at least starting at least. Actually, I, I will address that. I will address that because there has been, we've reported on this show and on other broadcasts, that Corvette have had pressure put on them. And we've talked about this before, about Corvette having pressure put on them to enter other ACO events, including WEC events. And it, it, the, which they have the, done. Which they did in Shanghai. And they're doing it at Sebring. And they will do it at Sebring. Sorry, not Sebring, not Sebring. I know where that Sebring. came from. Sebring. Uh, Sebring. <laughs> um, uh, because um, the pressure's been put on because uh, the WEC say you should be in a world championship. And we've covered that many times before. Um, however... We'll talk about this in a little while, about why perhaps that attitude might be softening <laughs> in a very European way, mm, maybe. Maybe, possibly. Yes, um, I, but that, that'll come later on. By the way, if you're in Belgium at the moment, uh, hang on, let me check my watch. No, you've got an hour before you can get out. <laughs> uh, Tim Gray, let's talk about the 42 entries that have been uh, announced. Uh, no surprises. It's all the automatic invitations, of yeah. course. Uh, but there is one car on there uh, from the IMSA Auto invitations that's a bit different. Uh, yes, but not unexpectedly so. Uh, sort of. Sort of. Uh, this is the Ford GT in GTE AM. There was a, a hint last year that perhaps this might happen it, it didn't uh, but I'm delighted to say that joining us from his travels uh, in Colorado I think at the moment is Ben Keating a GTE AM Ford GT for Ben Keating and his team uh, he, he got the entry from the uh, the Truman Aiken Award from uh, from IMSA of course and Ben joins us on the telephone now, Ben, first of all, thank you for joining us. This is this is quite exciting. Are, are, are you pleased that this is all going on at the moment? I am extremely excited. I'm excited to be on your show, John. In addition to excited to uh, be running a 4GT in Le Mans. 
Ben, you've you've tried you, you tried this, I think, twelve months ago. It, it wasn't the right time as far as Ford was concerned. What's changed? Uh, that's a really good question. I I, I don't exactly know. Uh, uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, the fact that uh, you know I think that they are planning on sunsetting the program uh, at the end of 2019, uh, and uh, I mean I, I I can't answer that for them, but uh, I think that uh, they started to look at uh, you know the the assets they have within their program and saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe we can uh, uh, maybe we can add an AMCAR and uh, and not hurt uh, our, uh, our our pro program. Um, you go back a long way with the Blue Oval, as does your family. <laughs> uh, I, I've spoken to you many times, uh, and I've heard you say in that wonderful wonderful voice of yours how it's important for you to race what you sell you've raced viper in the past you've raced amg in the past but ford runs deep in the keating family uh, it's been so fun for me to watch everybody in social media uh talk about me as a mopar guy and uh, <laughs> uh you know it clearly uh clearly uh you know that's the way they see me uh but uh, above all, uh, I'm a blue oval man. Uh, you know, my grandfather, uh, had five kids and four of them became Ford dealers. Uh, he was a Ford dealer. Uh, my father was a Ford dealer. Uh, my first job out of college was selling Fords. Uh, and you know, after I separated from, uh, working for my father and I went out and bought my own, first dealership ever on my own it was a ford store uh, and so uh, i have deep deep uh, uh history uh with the blue oval and uh, i mean the blue oval has such a deep history with lamont uh it is uh, uh i get chills just talking about it i mean i i feel like this is uh, a dream come true T- tell me about the planning for this uh going to france uh, as a effectively a one-off in the wec can't be easy um you haven't got the infrastructure out there how's it going to work that's a really good question i am uh, uh, my feeling is that uh I know I'm doing what God wants me to do because otherwise there's no other way it would have come together. Uh, it is, uh, uh, it is an extremely, uh, complicated process. You know, we've, uh, you've got, you've got Ford performance, you've got Chip Ganassi racing, you've got Multimatic racing, you've got Riley Motorsports, uh, you've got Keating motorsports you've got roush yates on the engines and and there's just so many different pieces of this puzzle uh and uh, uh the fact is that uh, you know doing a one-off program like this uh being the first uh privateer in a ford gt uh, is expensive and uh you know i i needed to uh, to uh find some partners uh, find some spar- sponsors uh, you know find some uh, 
some people that also wanted to be involved in this great program in order to be able to pull it off. So uh, it was incredibly complicated, uh, and there's no other way it would have happened if it wasn't going down exactly the way it's supposed to. Uh, we we kind of expect you to have Jerome Blake and alongside. We should say, by the way, that you you're guaranteed your invitation by winning the Bob Aitken Award for your results in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship last season. Congratulations for that. You're going to the 87th running uh, of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Tell me a little bit about Philippe Fraga and how did you get him involved? So uh, uh, Felipe Fraga is, uh, is a very unknown quantity, I guess I would say, uh, uh, to most people in and around uh, the world, uh, uh, except for those motorsports fans in Brazil, uh, and myself included, you know, I had no idea who Felipe Fraga was until uh, he showed up as a competitor uh, uh, against me at Petit Le Mans in October. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I watched closely at Petit, and I started asking questions a little bit uh, about him. Uh, found out he has also done some running in the uh, Blanc Pond series yes. uh, in Europe. And, uh, you know, Jerome Blicamolin, uh has done a lot of different types of racing. Uh, and I think from his V8 supercar experience in Australia, he got an opportunity to also race in the Brazilian stock car series. Uh, and so he's, uh, he's been there and done that. And he knows Fraga from his experience of racing in the Brazilian stock car series. And, you know, as we look through the long list of incredibly great silvers that are available out there as teammates uh, uh fraga uh, just seemed to be uh, uh, a clear and easy choice let me ask you a couple of quick fire questions uh, about the program um first of all when do you get the car when do you get to drive it um uh, next week <laughs> uh, next week will be my first time uh my first time to uh, to get behind the wheel uh, and uh, I'm incredibly excited about it. I spent some time on the simulator last night uh, trying to make sure I don't look silly when I get in it. Secondly, in these quick-fire questions, because the, already the, the tweets are, are coming in uh, for you here, Ben, is this going to be the only outing for you with this car, either in the FIA WEC, obviously end of the season at Le Mans, restarts again at Silverstone. Is there an opportunity to bring this car to, to IMSA and run it in the GTLM category? Well, uh, uh, for right now, as I mentioned earlier, this Le Mans effort is so complicated and so difficult <laughs> that uh, we, we can't see past that. Uh, uh, what I can tell you is that I will own the car. I will own you know, 10 sets of wheels and, and all the spares and everything I need to, uh, you know, I'm making the big investment to do this one race, uh, which would make it ex much, much easier for me to do a second race. Yep. Uh, and what that second race looks like is yet to be seen. Uh, you know, I, 
I would love to do uh, uh, more racing in the car. Uh, uh, it just kind of, it's going to all depend on where the car fits in the various series. You know, I think clearly it would fit well in the WEC in GTM. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, but uh, I don't know how it would fit next year in IMSA. Uh, if, uh, if, if Ford is not there running their pro cars, then, you know, how is IMSA going to look at uh, doing something like what Reese has done, where, you know, they're, it's, it's a privateer program running a pro car. Yeah. Uh, you know, is that a possibility? Sure. Uh, uh, but I, I just haven't allowed myself to go there yet and try to figure out what that looks like. Uh, color scheme? Come on, give us a hint. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you, 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 li- you like things to look good. I do. I do. Uh, I'm incredibly excited. I've uh, uh, I've received my first rendition, my first mock-up or draft of the livery this morning. Uh, uh, but what I can tell you is that, as I mentioned earlier, this is an expensive endeavor that requires <laughs> uh, bringing on some big partners. And uh, uh, my statement has been that... Uh, uh, I've sold the right to have an opinion, uh, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to make it look like whatever they want it to look like. You know what the uh, the old saying is, Ben, is the the golden rule is the man with the gold rules. That's right. Uh, I, I've you know uh, what I've said is that if, as long as their money is green, I don't care what color the car is. Final question for you, then I'll let you go, because I know how busy you are and you're travelling at the moment, so very much appreciate the time that you take to be on Midweek Motorsport this week. Um, I love your attitude to motor racing, but I sense that even for you, there's an extra bit of excitement about this project. Am I right? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I do love motorsports, you know, uh, I love, uh, uh, you know, I love everything from the Creventic 24-hour series to IMSA to uh, to, to chump car racing. Uh, uh, I enjoy the uh, the sport of, uh, of of driving racing cars, uh, uh, but uh, you know, clearly there is something special about Le Mans. Clearly, there is something special about Ford. Uh, and to be the first person to ever drive, uh, you know, a Ford GT and GTM, to be the first person selected by Ford to represent them in a non-pro program uh, is just—it's uh, out of this world. It's—I uh, I have a hard time putting a, uh, uh, you know. Uh, putting words to it uh, it is very clearly something extremely special uh, and uh, you know it, it every year i feel like i've done something that uh, you know that i'll never do again uh, and i'll never top this one uh, and somehow or another you know again uh, this this tops everything i've done and i i I don't know how I'll ever be able to top it. 
Ben, thank you for your time. I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time at Sebring, and we wish you all the best with this. It's a magnificent effort. It's uh, it's once again you representing all of us who would be doing exactly the same as you are if we had the wherewithal to do so. Thank you for joining us on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, John, I love being on the show. I appreciate the call. and Call anytime. Yeah, we will, Ben. Thank you. Uh, ben, you have, you have just become a Ben Keating advocate listening to that, haven't you? Well, I know you have a bit of a, a man crush in his voice, don't you? I, I do. He's brilliant. Did his, did his voice betray something we, we thought we knew in that uh, that's, that's it for the factory Fords? He did say the sunset yeah, of, the, of sunset. the factory forward yeah. program at Le Mans. I, mean, that was, I don't think it's a massive surprise, but it's interesting sub extra minor confirmation, isn't it? Uh, it? It is my understanding that there will be no more WEC Fords after Le Mans this year uh, in in pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a great program. Ben's a great competitor. Philippe Fraga. Uh, Jerome Blake and Mullen and Ben. I can't wait to see the car. I, I, I love the fact he said, "What is it? He's, I've sold the right to to pick what colour the car is." Yeah, but he doesn't remember colours. He likes the green, isn't it? He, li- <laughs> he likes the green box. He does. Good stuff. Um, uh, good luck to Ben on that, and uh, he, uh, fantastic that he was able to join us. On he has gone, hasn't he? Yes, he, he has, has gone. He. Yeah. Okay. Good. Excellent. <laughs> yes, we need we need to move on. Right. Let's let's move on uh, because, because also announced this week. Yes, a forty-one car entry list for the twenty nineteen European Le Mans series. Magnificent. Which includes eighteen LMP twos. Yeah. Which is the top class, of course. Five new teams to that LMP two class. I think this is a look. Whatever anybody thinks about the WEC, whatever anybody thinks about Le Mans, Le Mans will look after itself. Um, WEC, okay, there's going to be changes, uh, potentially quite big changes at Le Mans, and we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, sorry, at WEC, Le Mans will always be Le Mans. WEC, Nick, massive success story for the ACO and their partners. Yeah, the ULMS has been fantastic. I mean, I think you know if. We, we were there. We? It was his death now at Donington. Mm. Um, that was what six years ago now, and there were twelve cars. Or was it eleven cars? Yes, yeah, something that like that. Driving rain. Remember that? Because pictures of me looking miserable doing. Um, doing that was interviews. because of the rain, not the car count. No, the, it was. Well, it was. It was <laughs> yeah, but they, there is going to be an absolutely fantastically packed grid for the uh, first round next year's championship at uh, Silverstone, um, which I believe that due to various uh, personal uh, requirements, the other pit lane reporter will be doing my own I hear. <laughs> well. Exactly. Um, the, I mean, that is a capacity grid, effectively, for a lot of places that yeah, you go to. Yeah, the smaller tracks. You'd be fine in Silverstone, up to about 55, 60, probably, yeah. But 41, full season entries. Round the use of ice ring, the A1 ring or Red Bull ring, whatever it's called. Well, they won't That's be there, of course, but... And they got there? No, 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 it's gone off from the calendar. Oh. Nobody, nobody's there this year because Apart they're... From, oh, they're uh, redoing it. They're, they're revamping it, aren't they? Yeah, but we're not allowed to say that. Allegedly. Delighted to say that one of... Actually, one of our commentators has 
back in the ELMS. One this of our year. quiz show contestants. And quiz show <laughs> contestants, yes, joining we'll us on the. Up. Yes, no quiz show. Mm. No, not go there. Yeah, let's not go there. I no. beat Nick. That's all I'm important. That's all. It's oh, important. You were last, Nick. That's all. Wooden spoon. That's all I'm saying. Um, the uh, Alex <laughs> Brundle is back in a car uh, this year, back with United Autosport, uh, with whom he won a championship a couple of three years. Ago. He joins us uh, on the line now uh, as well. Alex, how are you? Hi, John. Really, really good. Thanks. Really, really good. And some good news to report as well. Congratulations as you go back to United Autosports. How does that feel? Yeah, really great. Really great to be coming back to those guys for European Le Mans series. And uh, obviously, the, the plan is to go to the Le Mans 24 hours. We're still awaiting entries on that. Mm. But... Um, you know, it, it, from from the discussions I've had even over the last couple of days, setting things up and and coming back into the fold, you know, it, it feels like I never left. And uh, and that's the great thing about going going back to a team, you know, so well. Uh, you and I both know the value of continuity and United Autosports, like most of the great teams, they don't change much year to year, do they? And, and that's an advantage. Absolutely. I mean, you, you've got. Richard, the way he runs, the way he runs the operation, Richard Dean, yeah, Richard Dean, yeah, he believes in people, and um, you know, he puts people in their positions. And I remember him saying to me, very, very early days um, in our LMP3 program, you know, he liked the idea that you put drivers in place and teams in place and people in place, and if they do a good job, you you keep them on. And it's it's a great credit to to him and the way that team is run that that is absolutely the case. And you end up, you know, dealing with the same people in 2019 as when, you know, you last drove for the team in 2016, uh, which is incredible continuity to have and and will definitely be to our benefit, I'm sure. And you were successful then as as well, of course, winning winning a championship. Got got to ask you about the the Janetta thing, because... First of all, they're across the road from United Autosports, effectively on the same trading <laughs> estate. Do we know anything about what's happening there? I've, I've noticed they weren't on the entry list. We, we, we mentioned that um, weren't on the entry list for 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 Le Mans. Is that is that a program that is unfortunately and not necessarily anybody's fault? But has that gone by the wayside now? Um, I mean, I, I'm not in a position to make statements on their account. I should Indeed probably not. Here I'm, uh, I'm just the driver, shall we say? Um, but I'm operating as you well. I'm obviously committed now for the Le Mans 24 Hours to to United Autosports. Copy that. Um, I, I wish them, you know, if they can get that car out, if they can get a Le Mans entry, then I wish them absolutely the best of luck. Um, but in in this instance, I'm I'm committed now to United for for the Le Mans 24 Hours. So as far as my participation goes, I, I won't be I won't be in a Janetta. Right. Uh, whether they will be there or not is is not my place to That's say. That's not a question for you to answer. I completely understand that. I'm well dealt with. You batted that back with a. <laughs> I saw the maker's name there. Fantastically well, <laughs> but well done. Um, tell me about your team, mate. We we know Ryan Cullen is is with you. Um, yet to be announced third driver I'm working hard to be the bronze um, it's not going <laughs> to happen could be your I dad though you number if you want it no, no, stop <laughs> it stop it stop it um, Ryan um, didn't you commentate on him for us at an ELMS event Absolutely. at Monza last year 
Absolutely. I and um, watched him in, in European Le Mans series. Um, I, I know him from way further back or know of him from way further back when we were in the same GP3 paddock for mm. a couple of races. Uh, watched him again six, very successfully at Daytona. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, top class dude. Um, obviously got some prototype experience um, behind him now. Um We've had a little bit of social media banter, but it'll be good to meet him um, <laughs> when we when we uh, when we convene for for the seat fit and everything. It's not not a guy I know personally, but his his results and uh, um, speak for themselves, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Porsche Super Cup. He's, he he knows which way is up. If you if you can drive in the Porsche Super Cup, um, that that's pretty uh, that's pretty competitive. Um, Philippe Albuquerque, Phil Hansen in the other car. Um, we know both of those guys. You know both of those guys as well. This is looking like a strong lineup, to be honest. To be honest, Alex. Oh, absolutely. You know, two quality drivers across the garage. Two quality drivers with you know, in in the case of uh, of Philippe and Phil, you know, had three or so years of experience mm. of the car as well. In you know, for United and also I know Felipe kind of. Uh, jumps in and out in and out of various ligiers all over the place so i mean if there is anything still i, I have driven the car at sebring the new the new ligier right. and sebring is its own you know special special scenario and you don't often get the feel of you know for example a race car around silverstone is a very very different concept to a race car around <laughs> sebring. Even, when it, even when it's the same chassis it's not really um so you know it's going to take a little bit of catching up to those guys hopefully they'll be um helpful uh, to us as will be helpful to them in in moving us forward as quickly as possible as a group I, I feel i have to ask this but i think i know the answer because when united autosports and uh, and richard and, and zach brown are involved then there's always going to be championship aspirations but championship aspirations question mark <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think so. There's nothing, there's nothing, well, firstly or foremostly, even even if there is something that would cast championship aspirations in doubt, I want to win the championship anyway. Uh, and, and, and secondly, in this case, I don't think there is. I mean, we've we've got uh, a top-class lineup. The The Ligier on the Michelin tyre appears to be uh, every bit as competitive as any other chassis and, and, co- and tyre combination out there. Spec engines... We've got two good drivers. We've got an experienced running crew, and you know, top-class engineers and strategists. I, I don't see why we won't be in the position to win races and championships, and um, and that's what we'll be aiming to do. And have every opportunity to do so. Except, I'm going to put this out there, and I'd be interested to hear what you've got to say. The competition's not getting any easier. No, I mean, well, if you look at the European Le Mans series the way it is now, it's it's I think impossible to argue against the contention that it's the top place to race an LMP2 car in the world. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the WEC is, is not as big a field. The IMS is certainly not uh, as big a field. Um, and, and European Le Mans series is attracting some serious driving talent. Um, but that's why we're there. Um, <laughs> and, and in the end, if you're going to go and shop window yourself as a driver again, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more kind of established now in in sports car racing than I was a few years ago. But you've still got to go and perform against the best um, to to maintain mm. your, your reputation and position. 
And uh, I'm really glad that those guys are out there and, the, um, you know, because I have the tools with United Autosport to, to go out there and show what we can do against, against those guys. Um, and we've got to go and get the result. Um, yeah, well, well that, it's a results-driven game, isn't it? That's, that's, yeah. that's just the way it is. Um, you looking forward to this? I am. I'm really looking forward to this. Good for you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I, I think, you know, l- last year was a little bit of a broken year, shall we say, in some ways. Um, and I just, I just trust United. You know, uh, that that's that's the main that's the main thing that's really exciting me about this program. I trust United. I trust the way they go racing. You know, they bang a brew on and then do a proper job. And uh, they bring and a brew on because they're from Yorkshire, of course exactly. they do. Get the cup of tea on. That's the first. That's the absolute first thing. Set up, set up the pit. Get the get the truck sorted out. Put the tea on. You know what? The, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to the urn, mate. The urn is where it's at. The 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 tea urn. The Genetta had one as well. It's good. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know you know what I mean. I, I know what I'm doing there. I know what I'm doing in in those cars. Um, uh, I've got experience of all of the events we're going to go to. I know the team. Uh, I've got good code, good good co-driver, and uh, I'm up for it. Later on the show, um, I've got a call in with uh, Mark Blundell, um, and he, he's coming back to racing. He's going to go touring car racing. Um, I, I, I dread to ask this, but uh, has this sparked your dad's interest in getting? It's like Tyrrell in the nineteen nineties having a, a <laughs> Blundell and a Brundell. I, I just confuses me. Uh, on the show tonight, is uh, it sparked your dad's interest again? You know what? I just flicked him a tweet. I just flicked him a tweet five minutes ago, and he came straight back to me with a "Get your dad on the grid." But I don't know. I don't know what the oh, your dad and Billy on the grid in British touring cars. That could be mega. I don't know what their wing mirror budget is, but anyway, I think (laughs) I think yeah, it it could be mega. You know what? He um, there's another there's another thing creeping around in the background where we we might see the old boy. Um, back on uh, back on the racetrack this year, but that's still still under wraps for now. But um, he's he's getting the hots for it again. He he works on a on a cyclical kind of two year cycle of getting itchy race feet and has to come back and have a go. So I hope he does and I hope he enjoys it. Before I let you go, I've got to ask you about Richard Meal because they've been involved with you and your dad for for quite a while, and it's good to see them back on the car again. Yeah, you know what? They're so passionate about it in a really, really hands-on way, which is super cool. Uh, we've been with them for ages. They're just, they're just amazing. They've been absolutely amazing to me. And, uh, and, and long may it continue. And uh, I look, hope we can do a really good job for them this year again. Just a, 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 a final thought, actually. A final, final thought. Um, Jake Hill, driving with, with Mark this year in, in touring cars. I know you know Jake well. He's a, a good mate of mine from back down the years I'm not sure where I'm going to say it on the phone later on but it's going to be a different experience isn't it absolutely yeah I'm excited from it it's great it you know draws attention to the program he gets a chance to have a you know a guy with such a wealth of experience as Mark's got and you know I've got he's been a mate of my dad's for for many many years I've got great great respect for him and and all that he's achieved in a race car and um, and a top class bloke as well Um, very very funny so 
Uh, I think you'll have a great year. And um, but one thing's for sure that I think Mark's got his work cut out with Jake Hill as well. Has he ever? He's a very, very fast young man. And uh, I wish them both the best of luck um, going into this season. You know what? I'm sorry that we're going to lose you from the opportunity of having you in the commentary box, but I'm delighted you're back with your helmet and your hands device on and in the car. Alex, it's always the best thing to see, to see you behind the wheel. We love you with what you do with us and we, and we thoroughly enjoy it, but you're in your, your natural environment when you're racing a racing car and we wish you all the best this year, mate. Thanks, John. Catch up through a year at some point. Uh, so Alex Brundle there talking about <laughs> uh, all sorts of uh, things, not just the ELMS, which was the focus of uh, uh, why we got him on. Um, before we leave the ELMS, a um, couple of surprises, uh, or I thought there were surprises on this entry list. Carlin, mm-hmm. that's new, isn't it? Uh, yes. They had pictures of their car on Twitter. Yes. It's a Delara, it's the biggest surprise. To me, uh, I right, like Delara yes. chassis. Well, they've not been exactly um, the chassis of choice in P2. No, it's uh, all the others are Oricas or Ligiers, and it's about a 50 50 split, split between them. Mm. They've also gone with the Dunlop tyre, which is. Um, well, they can make it work. A minority. Um, but there are people, other people with Dunlops as well, and uh, G Drive have not specified the tyre yet, so. Obviously, I'm uh, guessing round and black. Mm. Uh, I like your technical insight thank there, you. Nick. Thank you. And mm-hmm. the tyres with Nick here. Mm-hmm. And the tyres. <laughs> uh, there's 14 LMP3s and 9 GTEs as well. Um, and a lot of teams, uh, the reason why there's only 14 LMP3s is a lot of teams have moved up from LMP3 to uh, LMP2, including everyone's favourite uh, pan-continental crime fighters. Fantastic. Uh, Euro Interpol. Into Europol. <laughs> I, I nearly got that right. Obviously, after the 29th of March, that'll be dissolved, so they'll, yeah. they'll have nothing to do at all. Uh, uh, this, this from, I, th- I think this is fantastic. Um, the responsible adult has just tweeted Will Alex, or Baby Brundle, as she calls him, I can't say that, but she can, get away with calling his dad the old bloke? And Dr. Yobbo says, Well, what, like Martin can figure out how to download a <laughs> podcast? Listen, he rides a BMW. 1600 GT, K1600 GT. I've got one of those. He rides it to European Grand Prix. I know he does because I've spoken to him about it. I'm not arguing with him about that. I'm right up there. It's it's the right bike to do it on, but even so, I'm not arguing with, quotes, the old bloke. bloke. I'm not sure he does ride it to European Grand Prix anymore. He has done. I know he has in the past, but uh, I also know that Bernie Eccleston was charging him uh, rather a lot for motorcycle parking in the paddock. Mm. Bernie Eccleston was charging everything, everybody rather a lot. Dave Alcock says, if uh, if, um, Mark Bluntell and uh, Martin Brundle end up on the track together, I'd buy shares in body panel and wing mirror manufacturers. Mm. Mm. Mr. Brundle Senior might make his displeasure a bit called the old bloke known. Not that there would be any know. contact wood there. Yes. Martin <laughs> older than Mark? No, I, think Mark's like, I thought Mark was older than Martin. Mark's They're very similar. 52. Oh no, Martin's mate, way older then. And, yeah. and Martin, Martin's I think is 58, isn't he? 59. He's close to 60 because he's close to going bronze, isn't he? No, he's already bronze. Was he bronze at 55, was he? I thought he went down one level. So I think we were going from platinum. I think we silver. 
I shall sp- I shall I speak space silver and then I shall go speak to Mark at 60. about that in the second hour. Oh, okay, fine. Because we've got a call in to <laughs> yes, ask Billy. In Ma- the Martin is 59 at the moment. He's yeah, about to be 60. This summer. There you go. Mm. There you go. Uh, it's the Midweek Motorsports uh, Series 14, Episode 6. Where do we go next? We've done WEC. We've done ELMS. It can only be the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship left if we're doing all the Sports Car Championships. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So Sebring is the next round of that. Uh, do we have we have another guest? I've just been told we have another guest. Excellent. Uh, and that is Earl Bamba, who comes up next on my list. Uh, but before we talk to him about Sebring, I've got to say congratulations to Earl. He's on the uh, the Porsche uh, the the Porsche Fitness Camp at the moment out in Spain. And, of course, he's just celebrating a win down uh, at Bathurst. Uh, Earl, good evening. Uh, And a bit strange for me to talk to you as a team principal rather than a driver. Yeah, it is quite odd. I mean, it was quite odd, to be honest, in Daytona because there was a lot of excitement around um, forming the team and going to Bathurst, obviously with two strong driver lineups. And now going winning Bathurst 12-hour was absolutely incredible. And um, obviously, there's still a lot of hype. So I think everyone forgets that I'm actually about to continue IMSA and with that, we finished third at Daytona. Yeah, good point. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, take me through the highs and lows of, of Bathurst because you had a car that was a good racing package in terms of it was good on its tyres, it was good on its fuel. It might have not been the quickest thing in a straight line. It, it, it looked in the early part of the race as so it might not be the easiest thing to actually race with. Um, but you got there and thereabouts with both cars. First of all, disappointment with losing the nine one two with a with a really odd odd one. That was a bit of a power steering issue. Yeah, so I mean, if I talk about first of all, it was just a mammoth effort to to get there because um, one year ago I started a, a Carrera Cup team. So a couple of years ago, actually, it started with a very expensive coffee because um, <laughs> my brother races well wanted to get it back into racing. And I said to him, well, if you could find the sponsorship to, um, you know, run in Carrera Cup, then I would own the car for you. So um, unfortunately, he managed to find all the sponsorship to do the season. So then Stop I ended up running a car or buying a car. Yeah, that's how it started. And that was in for 2017. Then for 2018, we, me uh, and my brother and also a couple of my sponsors, LKM and Giltrap, all we're talking with each other decided that there would be a good place in the market to formulate a team. So then we did a Carrera Cup team and it started with two, ended up with three cars. We had our highs and lows. We won a race as well. So that was good. But then we always spoke about wanting to go to GD3. But then we said, oh, we're going to be about a year away probably from doing that. And then there came a chance with uh, Porsche to go down there. And we had some good sponsors as well, some local sponsors. And um, I remember ringing my team manager and saying, you're not going to like this. But you know how I said that we shouldn't do Bathurst? Well, we're still going to do Bathurst this year. So um, it was all hands on deck. Nobody had a Christmas or anything like that. So to be honest, just to see everything fire up. Um, and maybe you need to do another interview to hear the complete story about how we made it there. But um, to see everything fire up just operate and practice and everything like that this was uh, a mammoth effort and then in the race i mean we always knew if you look back on Blancpain and stuff like that traditionally the porsche is not the quickest car at the moment um, we know that um, we knew that we would have good tire mileage we saw that in the practice sessions that would be quite strong and obviously like you said a big advantage for us is the fuel economy and we really worked on that with the drivers 
And um, we tried to basically, because we knew we couldn't fight, we needed to try cycle up front with the safety cars. Yeah. So we were trying to get out front and clear air and then also not be bothered by anybody. So generally in GT3 or uh, GTLM, if you're, if you're battling somebody, you tend to plummet. So we wanted to stay away from everybody else. And um, once we managed to get in some clean air and run by ourselves, then we were quite strong. It was a bit of a shame from for car 911 um, that they they had an issue where one of the power steering lines um, blew out. So that was a bit of a, a shame. Um, Got to ask you about the uh, the sneaky bit of grill cleaning with the right foot of the fueler as well. To, to, to be honest, um, his name was Mitch, and we called. Um, we called him Itchy Mitch because actually I don't think he was meaning to do it. He was actually, it was as because we put everybody together. Um, he's a short German guy, and we said, "Oh well, you've got to do fuel." And to be honest, I think he's too short to do the fuel, mm. and I think he was struggling enough. If you see him also with the arms, he's shaking, and I don't think he was actually meaning to clean the grill. I think he was more um, shaking to keep the fuel on. You can say that. I'm not going to say whether I believe you or not because I value our friendship too much, Jill. <laughs> to, to I, didn't, I, I can tell you honestly, I didn't ask anyone to clean the grill. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Plausible deniability. First uh, good rule of management. Excellent. Well done. Um, that car, as you say, with the problems taken out, um, all the good things that you just mentioned, though, about tyre mileage, about fuel mileage, that almost cost you the race because it went green so long, that huge four hours plus of green in the second half of the race meant that the advantage that you guys had was disappearing because you had to make your last pit stop first. And if it was going to go green all the way to the end, my goodness, it might have been close. And, and all of a sudden from bossing the race, you guys were down in what, fourth or fifth? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, on fuel economy, if it stayed green the whole way, we were quite easy. Um, we didn't, we were not quite quick enough in our second to last stint. So um, we knew that we'd be quicker, we'd, that the Aston Martin would come out very close to us. But what we didn't expect to have to do in the last stop is we had to do oil refuel, which cost us a couple seconds. And um, we were always planning to do tyres. Um, what we didn't realise is that the others would gamble and take tyres. But I guess... If you look at it in their shoes, when they see where we were up the road and you're going for the Bathurst 12-hour, when your only option is when the 62 didn't take tyres and they jumped to the front, yeah. then, of course, then the Mercedes has to try do it as well um, just to try go for the race win because you're not going to go there to finish second. So I think the way that we dictated by taking tyres um, dictated it. I think if we probably didn't take tyres, then maybe some other people would have tried to take tyres as well, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I, I, well, as I said in the commentary, I think, um, at the time, you can only make a difference by doing something different. You guys took tyres. I think it was the triple nine that came in next after you. They didn't and went to the front, and that meant the Aston had no choice uh, at, at, at that point. Could you guys, could Matt Campbell... By the way, great driving from all of of your boys. I know that the uh, I know that all the headlines went with Matt because of what two or three really outstanding passes. But to get in that position, I know you'll say that was a, a team effort. But could Matt have have closed down without that safety car, or were you guys just as soon as you saw that that little KTM expiring on Conrad, were you guys going get in back of the net? Um. 
I mean, it was very hard to tell because if you watched at that point, the, the critical thing for us was to clear the um, the BMW. This was very critical. And obviously, we had just cleared the BMW um, before the safety car. And if you saw, the Aston was definitely plummeting. And I have spoken to a few people since, and apparently it was on steel and steel on the last couple of laps as well on the brakes. Absolutely so, right. Um, they were they were struggling massively. Um, then obviously the Mercedes was on a triple set, set of tires as well, and they were also going to probably they were also catching the Mercedes. Uh, sorry, the Aston, and they were going to probably start fighting each other. And I think everyone would have plummeted together. You know what I mean? Yeah. They would have all who would have ended up where with the battling and the fighting. You would have you could never predict a motor race, but I would imagine that they probably would have ended up back in the vicinity of two or three seconds together with each other. But um, could have had the Bentley in there as well, of course, if uh, Suchek hadn't turned the the car off on his last stop because that car looked strong, particularly in the first part of the mount. Was, was that you got to watch that race much more than you normally do, Earl? Is that is that the best motor race that you've ever seen? Yeah, I think it's one of the best. To be honest, I didn't really watch that much of it to be honest but by the time i was talking with the crew and organizing pit stops i was very happy the last pit stop ended and we didn't get any penalties or anything like that i was very relieved about that i can tell you that's a lot more stressful than doing a driver chain <laughs> as a driver um but um no it was it was one of the, the best races that i've seen i i think certainly the last couple laps were absolutely uh phenomenal so that was incredible i mean hats off to matt but hats off to everyone in the team also the 911 guys they did a great job i thought everybody did pretty well i thought the standard of driving particularly at the sharp end of the field between all the different manufacturers was excellent um I mean, it also changed the complexity of the race because um because it went to a distance record, um, that also changed the complexity of what happened there as well. Because in previous years, you had um, like how many? 16 safety cars. Um, yeah. And then this year, there was hardly any. So this was obviously quite a different um, scenario. It was a little bit the same as what it was 2018 with the Daytona. Everyone always predicted, um, how would you call it, uh, safety cars, and there was zero. Um, exactly. I think so, there was only four in it in Daytona, wasn't there? And we, we, we annihilated the, the safety car, uh, and, the distance record. And, I, and I also, loved it. Yeah. And also, like, um, if you look last year in 2018, the, the distance was 100, uh, 271 laps. Um, and I think this year we just taught you'd probably know it better than me. We were at 310. Three, three, 310 or 312, I think, actually. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was extraordinary. It was so, extraordinary. You're not far off a stint and a half further than normal or a stint and a bit further under green the whole way than normal. And this also stressed the cars. It stressed everything a lot more. Um, And, you know, we had to do a brake change on 911 um, because we're on a different compound pad just because we expected it to last. And um, with the distance and the green it was going, it wasn't going to last. So we had to take that early. Congrats to the whole team. Uh, What a way to start off the gt3 side of earl bamba motorsport fantastic uh, stuff um for you and the rest of the team um as you said you're in the middle of a driving season uh you just come off daytona you had to do the same as we did jump on a plane get straight around there um after after daytona now um you're actually speaking to us from the training camp in in spain for porsche drivers not everybody there i think um is fred mark 
disappeared somewhere. He's off to drive something else, hasn't he? But uh, pretty much all of the Porsche uh, works drivers uh, are are there. First of all, how's that going? It's good. It's good. If you like running around all day, it's great. Um, <laughs> but it's it's great preparation, to be honest. It's, Dude, um, that's it's- the price you pay for being a works Porsche driver. It's not exactly. You know, I mean, it's not—it's not the end of the world. We're not asking you to go down a coal mine, mate. Come on. I was—I was, I was worried I was going to be late to the interview. I had to run back from the training facility to try and make this interview. Excellent. So I had to try hit some purple sectors on the way back. <laughs> um, but no, it's—it's um, it's a good way to prepare. Obviously, now we're like a huge driving group. As I think we're like twenty or twenty-five drivers, so it's quite good for all of us to get together um, properly once in a year. Otherwise, we don't really see each other between all the other stuff that we're doing between the WAC, uh, EMSA and all that sort of stuff. So um, that's always quite positive um, to do that and sort of prepare the season well. Obviously, for some of us, the season's already started. Um, and, yeah, then sort of the madness just continues. I think we test next week in Sebring as well. So it doesn't really stop. And Sebring is the next uh, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship race for you. And it's going to be very different for all of us because you've got your WEC colleagues there as uh, you've got your WEC colleagues there as well. Um, Sebring always a phenomenal challenge. You're coming off a podium finish at Daytona. Um, what's the mood like in the uh, the GT team in IMSA at the moment? And, and how do you feel you are prepared going into Sebring? Yeah, I mean, for us on 9.12, I thought we had a, and generally at Porsche, we had a great car, especially in the dry. Um, at Daytona, I think we probably had the car to beat. So as much as it was nice to get a podium out of Daytona, I say we were quite disappointed not to win the race. Um, so, you know, that was, a, I would say, a little bit bittersweet. Um, and then obviously, definitely, we knew we had some deficiencies in the wet with the mid-engine car, but definitely we saw on Sunday in uh, Daytona that, we do need to work on that a bit. We were quick, but I can tell you it was so difficult to drive. It was unbelievable with the aquaplaning. I know a lot of people struggle, but, um, you know, we just couldn't keep the pace of what the others could do consistently. So we've got to work on that. And for us on 9.12, we've had a, a juggling around of engineers. So um, we'll have now finally our full-time engineer for the season running our car at um, cool. Seabrook. So really excited for that. And does it make any difference to how you guys prepare, having the WEC guys there as well? Um, two different pit lanes, two different sets of teams, etc. But obviously a big Porsche presence at Sebring. Yeah, obviously we can we can share the information. Um, but obviously there is some differences. I mean, tyres are the same, but there is a few little differences with the way the regulations are with ride heights and stuff like that um, for the between the WC and the WEC, which makes small amounts of differences. But in the end, everything will be quite aligned. Um, so, yeah, in the end, it's great data sharing. Um, I think we've been testing a couple of times as well already. So, And obviously, um, 9-11 is the defending champions there. So we're hoping for a, a strong event. And also just to continue racking up the points for the, the championship because that's a big goal for us this year is the Manufacturers' Championship for Porsche. Running the cars in the Brumos uh, tribute livery as well at Sebring, the second race in a row in Florida, part of effectively the 36 hours of Florida that kicks off the IMSA WeatherTech season. They look fabulous and uh, it's so evocative to see those cars uh, running 
running like that. As far as Earl Balmer Motorsports concerned then, Mr B, um, what's the next outing? Is that going to be Carrera Cup or are you going to do now the full Intercontinental GT season? How's that going to work for, for EBM? Oh, for EBM, I mean, at the moment, um, as crazy as I am, I've got my little brother and they're um, all packing the containers flat out because we've uh, everything leaves for Carrera Cup in two days. So um, wow. as much as we want to celebrate um, the Bathurst thing, we're already straight into Carrera Cup Asia. So at the moment, we plan to run uh, four cars there in Carrera Cup. So it'll be quite a, a big program and a big effort. Maybe we go up to five or six as well, depending if we get some last minute guys join. Um, and then nothing's confirmed, but I would really love to be able to go to Suzuka. Um, I would love to, to keep going with that sort of stuff. And also a big okay. target for me personally is to, to go to Macau Grand Prix. Obviously, it's been one that I've been trying to win for, for many years uh, with my sponsor, LKM, as well. So um, we'd really like to go there as well now that we have a, a solid GT3 team together. Uh, and a brand new car to come, of course, in uh, a GT3, which you weren't allowed to run at Bathurst. Earl, brilliant stuff, mate. Um, as I say, I, and I know that you always say exactly the same as I do with, with our team. It was a big team effort, but you're the man with the name above the, the door. So bask in the reflected glory, at least, for a little while. And I'll see you in Florida in a couple of weeks' time. Perfect, mate. Enjoy. That's uh, three of our big interviews out of the way. Three more to come in the second hour. Uh, but time now for our first big announcement. Is this uh, yours or, or ours? No, my announcement is massive. It's the biggest thing you'll Huge. hear. Is yeah, it, how mean, big is it? it it's it's, it's big. I mean, there are no words to describe this. Do you like so, the big? So how are you going to describe it then? With the sound. Okay, fabulous What's the sound? Well, you'll find out in the second hour. Is it hour. the sound of excitement? It is. The sound. I'm more excited than Ben Keating. No, not he possible. He was very excited. He's he was very so excited. excited. He's got a great uh, voice. Can we get him to do some VOs for us, please? Yes. I'm not <laughs> sure how Mark would feel, but yes. Mark's on CNN now. Is he? Yeah. What's he done? I'm oh, sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> Mark, our voiceover, is on CNN now. As the voiceover? He, yes. Oh, cool. He does... Coming up on this week's Inside Africa. He mm. does all of that. It's fantastic. Uh, listen to Midweek Motorsport. Before we go to our halftime break with Mark and Emma, the first of our big announcements this week is about Sebring and IMSA and WAC and a team effort that will bring extra sounds of Sebring to sports car fans because a partnership between IMSA, the FIA, WEC, Porsche North America, Michelin North America and Radio Shore Limited means that you'll have extra live coverage of the FIAWEC at Sebring. We've added it already to our 2019 RSL programme schedule. Of course, every WEC race is already covered live and free on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of audio and video channels. Now, normally, that RSL audio is generated remotely, but with the unique nature of the combined IMSA and WEC Super Sebring event, there's an opportunity to expand that service to fans globally and at the circuit. So the 1,000 miles of Sebring will have live coverage of every session here on RSL. WEC commentator Johnny Palmer will lead the team trackside at Sebring International Raceway. The broadcast will be presented without interruption, supported by existing IMSA radio partners, Michelin Tire North America and Porsche North America. We'll have pre and post race shows with the Michelin Countdown to Green and Michelin 
post-race tech along with the Porsche keys to the race and in-race updates and that will ensure that every fan stays up to date with what could be an eight-hour contest of course for the WEC starting in the afternoon and going into the night on Friday. It's the only free-to-air broadcast of the WEC at Sebring and it's important for those at the track as it is as important for those at the track as it is for those who are listening in the USA and round the world as we'll bring the exactly the same kind of coverage that we have for all the w uh, all of the imsa events to the wec at sebring uh, it's the 13th to the 16th of march and the schedules are on rs1 which will air the fia wec and the rs2 imsa radio which has all of the imsa radio coverage are at the foot of the radio show doctor radio dash show.co.uk homepage and it will auto convert your local browser browser time Uh, Johnny Palmer will lead the team at the circuit for the WEC so great thanks to IMSA the FIA WEC Porsche North America and Michelin North America for bringing that uh, particularly to IMSA who have uh, graciously said that we can use the same facilities and technical services that they provide for IMSA radio to bring that to you exclusively live there will be no other coverage of the early sessions and no other free to air coverage of the WEC in the US or globally it's all here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels every time you said Johnny Palmer in that I was expecting you to say joins us now but he doesn't no he doesn't Uh, because he's still in Australia he's still in Australia and therefore asleep I've logged Mark in the shed, so I get to say, still to come on Midweek Motorsport. First hour and a bit of a very full programme tonight, Series 14, Episode 6. It is already in the books, there's another big announcement to come, and that's Tim Gray's huge announcement. I've no clue what this is about, but... Well, let's have some speculation. It's really big. It's huge. Uh, Let's have some speculation, please, at Expectutainment on Twitter. Uh, And still to come tonight, we'll be talking F1. We'll be talking bikes. Uh, We've still got, well, an awful lot of news to get through. Mark Blundell. And we'll be talking British touring cars. And Mark Blundell is with us, if we can get him on the phone, with his new teammate, that's all to come in the second half of tonight's Midweek Motorsport. We're live. It's just after nine o'clock here in the UK. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. Uh, some sad news very quickly, and that is the death yesterday of John Haynes, creator of the iconic Haynes Manual. Uh, he was 80. Haynes almost single-handedly was responsible for inspiring generations of home mechanics. His detailed books gave you step-by-step instructions to dismantle and rebuild practically your entire car. Uh, He was born in Sri Lanka, where his father owned a tea plantation, and it was there that his his love of cars uh, first dawned. He would often ride around with his father in their Morris 8 saloon. The family moved to the UK when John was 12, uh, and there he got his first taste of the future that would have Wait, he persuaded uh, his school teachers to allow him to miss rugby uh, so that he could convert an Austin 7 into a lightweight, sporty Austin 7. Right, quiz question for Nick. Uh, and we're off to Hello. the London Classic Car Show on Friday. Fair excited. And we do a show, aren't we? 
we, we are going to do a show from that, Bobby. but let, let's oh. leave that once. What was the first Haynes manual? 1966, what model oh. was the first Haynes manual? I thought you were going to ask what the first one I had, which was Triumph Dolomite, of course. Of course. Well, mine was a Hillman Avenger, obviously. Um, unfortunately, I answer this question, so... Do you? Yeah. It Come on, then. Frog-eyed Sprite, wasn't it? It was a Sprite. Yeah. The Austin yeah. Healy Sprite is correct. Austin Healy Sprite, very good. I currently have one for the TR4. Do you? It's a I repro. thought you were going it's to say you currently have an Austin Healy Sprite, which would be very obviously. exciting. Well, I'm sorry, a TR4A is significantly more exciting than a Sprite by about 70 horsepower. And a Haynes manual is less exciting than an actual Healy Sprite, though. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, that's... <laughs> Move on. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, we we, pro- we promised you a Blundell and a Brundell. Yeah. Or is it a Brundle Blundell and, and a Brundell? I'm sorry. The amazing I, Mr. Blunden. It, it is... <laughs> It is just too confusing. However, coming out of well, being a successful businessman and starting, quote-unquote, a new career as a driver, is Mark Blundell. Yes, who, not yet. No, he's about to, though. He's I mean, ab- we haven't got him yet. Have We're, we not? It's big interview time. Oh, Oh, right, sorry. It's Japan now. I, it, and he's big in Japan, which is why it's the big interview. I'm very mm. sorry. Uh Big in Japan. Name in the band. For five points. Oh, I do know this. Oh. Alphaville. Sorry, you're out. Nick's not talking anymore tonight. Um, earlier on this week, in fact, at the weekend, it, we, we were, we were going to do this last week, but uh, the actual announcement was put back, so we sat on it for a wee while. Saturday, early morning in the UK, the announcement came through that Jan Mardenborough is once again part of the Nismo team in the in the Japanese Super GT Championship. I give him a cup. It was all set up. We were going to do it last week, but we we respected the, the embargo, of course. So I spoke to him over the weekend in his first broadcast interview after the announcement, and the question, of course, the first question is, how are you feeling after being? announced as a Nismo driver. Very, very happy. Um, yeah, just thrilled to be on the grid again in the GT500. Uh, fourth year in Japan, third year in uh, in 500s. And uh, this year, there's a different team of Condo Racing. So a switch of um, teammates and uh, mechanics and everyone, but also tyre manufacturer from uh, now with Yokohama instead of Bridgestone. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this year, we start testing very soon. I fly to Malaysia tomorrow morning, and we'll start testing on the 13th for a four-day test at Sepang. Does it give you a lot of time to get yourself sorted out? How much does all those changes affect you as a driver in terms of new team, new mechanics, new teammate, and crucially, new tyre supplier? Um, the teammate situation is uh, is fine, and the team situation is, is fine. Again, I've, you know... After experience with uh, other teams in junior categories, team to team, you you know you learn how to. It's just meeting new people and working, finding out how they work and uh, find out how the engineers work and um, what makes them tick and how to get the best out of them. Uh, my engineer this year, we have a few engineers that uh, they speak very good English, so that always helps. Uh, my teammate uh, is uh, Mitsunori Takaboshi, so. I've raced. He was my teammate in Formula Three for a few races. Um, he's also um, on the Formula E Nissan Edams team as their uh, um, test driver. So 
at the, we were at the last Marrakesh test together in that car. We, you know, we get we got along great. We kind of similar personalities, and uh, we haven't kind of we can spend you know a few days together without wanting to strangle each other, which is always great. Always in, good uh, as yep. a teammate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the main thing is the main thing is is the tire manufacturer. That's uh, a big difference in uh, completely different philosophy in terms of you know how they construct the tire. Um, there's four different tire manufacturers in Super GT in, in the 500 class. And uh, so there's Yokohama, Bridgestone, Dunlop, and Michelin. And um, they have their uh, quirks and they have their strengths and weaknesses. And uh, I'm going to find out on the week in a couple of days' time um, the difference in, um, in, in performance and what their strengths are. So um, I've driven the car already on the Yokohama tire in the past right. um, last year. And uh, it was a big difference. Um, in the way that it works and um, over one lap and in a, in a long run situation. So that's the, the crucial part is, is to understand the tyre as quickly as, uh, as possible. I think what a lot of our listeners who aren't totally au fait with the brilliant racing that is at GT500 and Japanese Super GT, they might not realise that a manufacturer like Nissan and the Nismo team might have, in fact does have, um, contracts with different uh, tyre manufacturers for some of their different teams. It's not something that we're used to seeing in European racing. And you're saying it, it's very different. I mean, does that mean it's different enough to have to set the car up differently, John? Yeah, it's, uh, it's each car is set up differently within uh, the Nissan. Uh, well, we, we have four Nissans in GT500 and uh, two of them are on Michelin. Um, one's on Bridgestone, which was my car last year. And uh, one's on Yokohama. And basic setup, um, even the basic setup and spring rates and uh, damper settings and uh, aero is quite similar. Um, but basic stuff like that is, is different. You can see on the, on the setup sheet, it, it has to be different because each tyre has a different... Uh, the, well, the tyre is a spring. It's part of the suspension. So um, each one has a different characteristic and... Um, very different. It's not like a, a, a spec series where everyone's given the same tire or you have your different compounds and that'd be the only difference. In uh, Super GT and 500, we have, well, we arrive at Sepang tomorrow and I'll get a, uh, I've already got a setup sheet and a, uh, a tire sheet of many different constructions to test. And then at the same time, loads of different compounds to test. Um, the reason we go to Sepang in um, now is because in Japan it's it's freezing cold. It's like two degrees, so uh, we'll go to Sepang and it'd be thirty. So more realistic to what we were experienced mid-season in in uh, once we finally get underway in Super GT. So we'll be testing compounds and construction uh, for midsummer, and uh, it's it's unlike any other championship out there currently where you you have a tire war. And yes, each manufacturer has a contract with tire suppliers in uh, 500 to give them the best tire possible. And those tire manufacturers are intensely competitive. There's as much, if not more, competition between the tire manufacturers as there is between the car manufacturers. And and again, that that different situation is that you've got uh, three different manufacturers spread across the the four uh, Nissans. Of course, everybody wants to find the little bit of advantage, Jan, and it is a super competitive championship. So, yes, there's four 
Nissans, but does that mean you're not working as a four Nissan team? You work as, in your case, you're a one-car team because you, you're the only car on Yokohama's, the, the, the only Nissan on, on Yokohama's. It's, uh, it's a tricky situation. You do work as a team, um, but at the same time, um, we are a team within a team, you know? So, uh, Condo Racing is a team I race for. We're on the Yokohama, but... Uh, you know, if we're if we are at a test or at a race, and uh, you know the GTRs seem to be off, if if we're off the pace, we all work together to find a solution. Um, but on track, you fight as hard as any other manufacturer. Um, you don't want to make contact with any with your same manufacturer, but uh, you know um, we're racing for our jobs. And our seats, so uh, yeah, everyone's a rival. And there's been quite a shake-up, in fairness, um, with uh, a lot of changes in the Nismo Motorsport global world uh, in in terms of how they go about it, which drivers are racing. Um, I'll come back to how that has or hasn't affected you in a moment. But one thing which we have to talk about is a legend has stepped aside from racing, uh, 23 seasons, um, appropriately enough, that number 23 for for, for Nissan, uh, for um, a three-time GT500 Drivers' Champion, uh, now stepping uh, aside. Quite an extraordinary career for Satoshi Matoyama, who has effectively retired from racing, but he is staying on to, uh, well... Um, He's the uh, be- executive uh, executive advisor now. Executive advisor, right? And and is that alongside um, Motohiro uh, Matsumura? Is it who's the the program director for Super GT five hundred? Yes. So uh, Motoyama will be at all the circuits, all the every race, and uh, you know it's it's great to have someone higher within Nismo who is a, an ex driver, um, a driver that knows how a team operates you know and and drivers operate throughout a year and, and a season so um to have him still within the nismo um infrastructure is 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 great it's uh, he can see things very clearly he, he's done everything i mean he's done everything um he's one of a very few people who's done that japanese double um of winning the gt500 and the Formula One Championship. I- ironically, did that in a year where he became GT500 champion without winning a race. Um, that I mean, can you imagine? You see that? You see what's going on? You know the weekends? Can you imagine doing the double on that? That's an extraordinary thing to have done. Yeah. Only, only a few drivers have done that, and uh, man, like uh, I've done 500 and uh, Super Formula Formula Nippon in the same year, and it's a busy year, so like. To win both championships and uh, yeah, it must have been absolutely fantastic. It must have been an amazing feeling. And Satoshi is such a uh, such a, like a noble guy. He wants he'll help anyone. Um, I spent quite a, few, a lot of time with him, and I remember meeting him for the first time and knowing of his career. And um, yeah, very wise guy and uh, super fast in a car, and uh, he's still super fast now. Um, so. Yeah, to have a career as long as his and as successful as his, you know, three championships and over a thousand points in Super GT. 
Mm. Um, yeah, man, it, that's a that's a you know target. Four times at Le Mans as well between 1998 and 2014. He's best finished at a 10th position. Oh, that's not off the top of my head. I am looking at that on a screen, of course. How important is it to keep that kind of experience and knowledge within Nismo, John, particularly for uh, a driver? I was going to say a youngish driver like you, but I mean, you've been making your... your career and you're living out of driving for quite a while now but it is a very different way of going about things in the Japanese racing as opposed to the European racing isn't it yeah it's uh, just the way that the championship is run in Super GT it's not spec it's not a spec championship so there is there are things you can do to get that edge and um, you know with Motoyama-san working at being a driver a factory driver for Nismo for so many years um you know, he's raced for a lot of the different uh, Nissan teams within uh, GT500, but specifically Nismo, uh, for many years. And, uh, you know, they pull, they pull some magic, you know, throughout the years. They can just pull a lap time in qualifying. They can just pull a race, turn a race around. And having that knowledge and uh, those secrets um, still within Nismo is... Uh, He's great, and you know he has so much knowledge. I bet he knows uh, everybody as well, doesn't he? Yeah, there's so much more that goes on in yes. racing, and so much more which I need to learn as well, which I can't trans. I can't, you know, haven't put. I can't put it into words because I don't know of it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's time. It. It's time as well. You, 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 there's no substitute for time. There's no substitute for time. Um, he'll be missed um, behind the wheel, but good to hear that he's still going to be around and passing his experience and knowledge on to the next generation of which you are one um however i did intimate there jan that uh, it had been quite a a change around in in nissan and, and nismo's racing operations globally uh were you sweating for a little while is there a little bit of relief that you've that you've continued to hold on to your drive this year yes um long long answer short i i am it's uh last year was you know, there's so many variables in uh, in motorsport, and uh, last year was just one of them. I was saying to many people close to me during the year, you know, we need to get a result. You have to get a result on paper for things to work out. And at the end of the year, you just look at paper results, and it doesn't matter what anyone else what happens um, during the race weekend um, reasons. It doesn't matter. It's just results. Mm. And um, you know, last year there were times where we were in front and something's gone wrong. There's been an error from somebody else or there's been a failure and we haven't gotten the result when we should have. And uh, sure enough, at the end of the year, you know, <laughs> questions are asked. And uh, there is there was a massive shakeup within Nissan and, uh, and Nismo. And uh, I'm very fortunate and very happy that I've retained a seat, moved to a different team. But, uh, yeah, it's... I've seen what happens and what goes on. I've seen that part of of um, of my career now. Um, what can happen? And um, you know, rumors are rumors, and yep. I've had a lot of rumors going around, and it's quite <laughs> it's funny to hear them now. And it, during the time, it's kind of where are they pulling these rumors from? Um, so it's nice to squash them. Good. But at the same time, um, just life experience. Um, over these last few months um and hopefully now with all the changes that's that's been made not in 
not only in terms of um, personnel as drivers, but uh, personnel within the structure of Nissan Motorsport that we can, um, well, move, move forward and actually challenge for a championship. Because um, over the last three years, it's been uh, it's been difficult. It just hasn't we haven't had the car um, underneath us to be able to do that. And um, especially last year with with Impul, the tire is great. There's no problem with the tire. Um, it's matching the tire to the car. We had a, a very specific problem, which which is a yeah, I could talk for hours about it. But um, yeah, <laughs> I moved to, to Yokohama and uh, and Kondo specifically and. Just watching Kondo over the last three years, being in Super GT, um, as a team, they've developed a lot. Um, their pit stops are always super quick. The guys yeah. are really thrilled. Um, as a, an outfit, the car always looks spotless at every round. You, you turn up to each race, and I look at the car, and it's usually next door to me. And I look at the car, and it's gleaming. There's, it's been revinyled, and everything's clean. So um, it's that's things you look for as a driver when you go to a different team. Um Going to find out in a few days' time how it drives and how um, the engineers work and mechanics. Um, so yeah, hopefully, you know, this change of path will be uh, more fruitful for me. And um, you know, I don't believe in fate, but you know, my ship has been steered in a different direction now for this year. So um, yeah, I'm all for it. So uh, you mentioned Formula E uh, and Nissan Adams um, with your uh, your good be. Uh, one of their sim drivers and we've already heard about Andre Lotra having to miss a world championship race um, because he's got to do some sim time for his Formula E uh, Formula E uh, commitments how important then is that role um, it, it seems to me that an awful lot of uh, uh, um, stress is being put on that I don't mean stress do I I mean uh, an awful lot of uh, store is being put on Getting the the sim right, uh, not a lot of time to do testing at these ABB Formula E championship races. So presumably that testing role on the simulator is as important as a, a real world testing role would be in say something like Formula One. Yes, um, the testing is limited, like any other championship. You know, any big championship, you have limits in testing. But uh, the reason why the simulator is so important in Formula E is because it's all about energy management. It's all about managing the battery in the race to try to recover as much energy as possible during the regen phase in the race um, to make that more efficient so you can use more power and uh, so your lift points can be later in the race so you can lift later because you can regen better and all that is calculated on the simulator so you can try things um, software-wise um, on the simulator that can be mapped accurately on the sim and um to find out new strategies, um, new components to be developed. Um, this year in, in Formula E, there's um, this this season two, uh, generation two car. It's very different to the previous generation. There's a lot more flex. There's a lot more things the teams can design, manufacturers can design. Um, so, and it's a new championship as well. They're still learning. So there's still massive performance, um, massive performance um areas to be taken advantage of that people haven't found out yet and you have to you have to as a driver when you drive before you drive this car go on a simulator just to turn the car on you need to know really? all the just to turn it on 
Um, it's not easy, like you jump in a car and then you, you know, ignition, fuel pump, and then start the motor. There's a load of switches you got to do, a load of procedures um, on the steering wheel, which you've got to check and double check, and the engineers always go through with it. So it's like a five-minute job um, when you sat in the car just to get yeah. the thing moving. And the same thing on the in-lap. Um, the guys at uh, the Formula E team and this and Formula E team, EDAMs, they were, when I did the test in Marrakesh, they were telling me, look, you really need to do the same procedures, especially on the in-lap, because if you don't and you forget and you arrive in the pit lane with um, when you haven't done it, there's a good chance that you'll destroy one of the motors in the car. Oh, <laughs> so, wow, really? It's it's that yeah. crucial? It's not just a case of we might not be able to get a bit of data? Yeah, it's mad. It's There's so much going on. And so in the race, you know, um, you we have lift it's kind of like lifting coast you have in p1 but uh you have you have two beeps in our ear and um the first beep is to know when to lift off the throttle um so you're coasting so the car's effectively in neutral about 300 meters before a corner and there's another secondary beep in your ear to tell you when to pull uh use regen to use a regen paddle and that's what charges up the battery so you have to go on a simulator to wow. to learn how to drive the car in a race simulation qualifying is fine you know the car behaves like a kind of like a normal car yeah normal racing car but in the race um there's many things you've got to change the, the team have got um so much data and mid-race that we can, they can be telling you to change multiple settings in the race and um do you get to test to... those um uh, sort of boost zones as well where you've got to go wide on corners and things like that to see yeah. tactically where where they work and how they work yeah there's so many more variables. So the attack zone, uh, attack mode, I think it's called, uh, where it's just one zone on a particular corner where you have to go wide, kind of like a wet line. Um, so a further distance on a dirty part of the track and you get an extra 225 uh, kilowatts. Um, but in the race, the base power is 200 kilowatts. I don't know what that translates into horsepower. Um, I think it's around maybe 300 horsepower, I think. It's like 1.5, I think, times. So, um, yeah, about 300 horsepower standard, and then you get an extra 25 kilowatts for four minutes, and you can do that. It changes race to race, but I think in Marrakesh, it's, you can do that in a race four times. Right, got you. So uh, there's, so much, there's so many variables going on. There's overtaking all the time. Um, it's still new, and it's still developing. It's hellishly so. competitive, isn't it? I mean, it looks like a Formula Ford race at times there's, because there's so little difference. Obviously, it's a spec series. 268 yeah. horsepower, by the way. It's 200 kilowatts before anybody tweets in. Uh, 1.341 for mechanical horsepower. So any, so basically what you're seeing, again, any, any little bit of... Uh, any little bit of advantage that you can give the Nissan Edams team is 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 worth having. Is that that's what you're seeing? Absolutely. Um, you know, all the drivers they they spend time on the sim as well, um, preparing for each race. But uh, my role is to, you know, be there behind the scenes again, just uh, trying new things and uh, helping develop the car, not only software wise and try to make things as smooth as possible, um, give my feedback, but also car setup wise as yeah. well. It's uh, it's still a part of um, uh, the Formula E series, along with all the software stuff. Um, it's, it's quite strange. It, the focus isn't so much on that, which I found quite um, surprising, actually, jumping in that car for the first time. They still do a lot of setup changes, but not the, the focus seems to be on the sim is just finding out the best way how to manage the energy and make Very it good. last. 
They're as long as possible, which um, is quite interesting. Another string to your bow, Mr. Martinborough. Very, very much worthwhile. Um, just before I let you go, and thanks very much for giving us this time, and I know a very busy time for you, um, I did notice that your team in Super GT Condor um, is going to be doing a bit more with uh, Nissan and Nismo, and I think for the first time since the team was formed, they're going to be doing some races outside uh, Japan, including the Nürburgring 24. Um, mm. Are you involved in that side of things with them as well? No, I'm not. I want to be. Um... <laughs> And I want to go back to the Nürburgring. You know, the last time I was there was, you know, that horrible, horrible accident. But uh, it's it's still the best place in the world, best track in the world. And you know, Condor they're venture, they're venturing out a lot. They're doing 500s. They're doing GT 300 as well this year. Mm. So they got the car in the 300 class. And also, yeah, um, uh, yeah, uh, Nürburgring 24 hour. So um, yeah, they're doing a lot this year and. Uh, yeah, I need to I need to get involved in their uh, overseas expeditions. Um, hopefully, again next year, or if they do a bit more this year, like Spa, for instance. If they decide they want to do Spa after having fun at the Nurburgring, then yeah, I'll be going into uh, Condo Sanzi and whispering, "Look, I'm I'm available." Get your hand up early, mate. Jan, I can't uh, tell you how uh, delighted I am when I heard the news at the weekend, um, well, a bit before the weekend, but when it became official, we were sitting on our hands, as you well know, um, with, with your news, but when it became official over the weekend, I can't, can't tell you how pleased we all are here. We've watched your career uh, develop from GT Academy. We've watched you develop as uh, a driver and as an individual. You deserve all the success you get, mate. Best to you and the family, and keep doing what you're doing. Cheers, John. Thanks, man. Yeah, Martin, Brett. Speaking to him over the weekend, Midweek Motorsport Series 14, Episode 6. Great news for Jan. A lot of changes, Nick, uh, over at Nismo, yeah. Nissan. Uh, Nissan itself in a lot of trouble at the moment, making a loss in Europe, closing down plants. Arresting think, its boss. Uh, yeah, not, imprisoning his boss. Yes, not, nothing to do with Brexit, all to do with bad planning and uh, bad marketing. Um, siphoning off uh, companies' money into your personal account. Sixty-four million dollars, allegedly. allegedly. Allegedly, might be a bit of a setup that, but who knows? Uh, but great to hear uh, Jan back in a seat and in what might be an interesting seat. I think so for him. Mm, yeah. Love the fact they've got a tyre wall. Well, yes, it's, it's always a good thing, apart yeah. from financially. <laughs> no, I. The tyre manufacturers. I mean, for the tyre manufacturer, it's good financially as well. Well, it depends who, wh- how many they have to supply for free. I said I, I recorded that at the weekend, um, and, and I said it, it's hard to understand, Nick, isn't it? Just how important that is in Japan. Yes, it, the the whole the, the Japanese racing scene is um, you know, domestic scene is is massive. It's it's uh, you know with the two key areas, Formula Nippon and the uh, All Japan GT, and of course backed up by the Formula Three series. Of course, it used to provide just about all our our key races into uh, F1 back in the mm. mid-90s. And it has been now a, a place that, dr- that drivers who don't have a space in F1 but have finished GP2 have been put. So we've had Gasly and Van Dorn do a season in there recently mm. uh, in Super Formula. So, yeah, it's, it's very high quality. A lot of good tracks in Japan. They, you certainly get a lot of practice in the rain over there. Um, so, yeah, great, great great motor racing environment in uh, in the land of the rising sun. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, Series 14, Episode 6. Where are we going next, Tim? Well, we're staying with uh, 
well, we're not staying with Nissan and Nora RJN. Oh, there we go. There's a very excellent. Well done. Link. There's a link. Uh, RJN have been racing Nissans for twenty something years. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that BTC Primera? No. No. Okay. I David d- I Leslie does. I didn't really do an awful lot of BTCC watching in those days. A bit of the Murray Walker on his grandstand, obviously, in the years before that. RJN are now switching to Honda. Mm. Uh, But not any Honda. Uh, Honda NSX. And they're teaming up with someone who raced in Super GT for Honda last year, uh, Mr. Jensen Button. I I think I've heard of him. Um, yeah. is, is he is he someone we should know? Yes. Yes. Uh, have, you, have you seen the livery? Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's brawn. brawn. It's the brawn. Yeah, come <laughs> yeah. The, It's a brawn uh, NSX. The the team is called Jensen Team Rocket RJN. And is he going to stick a, a, a semi illegal second wing on it as well, just to make sure he wins? Uh, what's the significance of the rocket in that team name? Uh, oh, oh, these are the people who tried to buy out Force India. They're an energy drink firm. No. No? Uh, Rocket was the team in karting that Jensen raced for. Oh, oh different Rocket. Okay. Uh, as That's well as... Uh, Rocket. All right. As well as uh, Will Stevens raced all for right, them. Okay. Mm. And James Collado and Oliver Rowland. That's not confusing at all, then. briefly, Lewis Hamilton. And it was owned by... John Button. Uh, okay. Super. Uh, who's another Formula One driver uh, who will be uh, racing against uh, that team in the uh, Blanc Pan series this year? Mm, don't know. Don't know. That would be Rio Harrianto. Oh, oh okay. really? <laughs> we are. We're going back down the wonderful world of um, Super Aguri, are we? I think you'll find that uh, Rio Harrianto was at Manor. Right, okay. Alongside Pascal Wehrlein. Mm. Okay, I, I And then I'm was replaced by Esteban Ocon. You're supposed to be the Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Yes, I know. The he's, he's had too many profiter roles. I'm, I'm, I, I, my, my inability to remember exactly which Japanese driver ran, ran for exactly which back of the uh, grid team is just <laughs> nightmarish. He'll be part of a pro-am entry alongside uh, David. Himself. Uh, Tip Toby and Toro. <laughs> Who? Right. <laughs> which is a... Uh, Name which has got more letters in it than Mardenborough. Yeah. Uh, coming up after this show tonight, we have a bit of Brumos Racing. Newly announced uh, Grand Marshal for the 24 Hours of Le Mans this year, Hurley Haywood and Dan Davis in conversation with me, John Hindoff, in a special programme recorded in front of a live audience. Better than a dead audience. There you go. I just paused there. <laughs> uh, at Sebring, courtesy of Porsche. Uh, that will be on after the show tonight. So stay tuned for that. It's worth listening to. I know we uh, Tim played you a little bit, little teaser of that a, a couple teaser. of three weeks ago. Uh, it's the full show. Uh, it's about half an hour and it's worth listening it's to. It's 30 minutes and two seconds. It's Is it? more than about half an hour. It's right. quite precisely half an hour. There you go. And two seconds. And two seconds. Um, team Super Rocket is the supervillain team from Pokemon, by the way. Oh, gosh, that's terrible. They shout at each other like they're doing anime cartoons. Should, should we talk about Rocket with an I? You see, that's what confused me. Yes. Now, as we move on to Formula One. Hooray! And 
at last! Rocket Formula One were the <laughs> rocket. These were the people who tried to buy out. See, I, I was just preempting that. Tried to buy the out hockey. Force India and One didn't have. I didn't have any product. No. And and potentially couldn't prove that they had any money either. No, could that's they? Rich Energy. Oh, really? That's Rich Energy who oh, tried to yeah. buy out, oh, um, I'm, I'm who now is sponsoring Haas and, and, and turned down oh, right. Williams at the last moment because they got more value money out of Haas. No, Williams but, turned them down. Well, who knows? It's, who, who didn't ask for the I'm, second I'm, date? Hang on. So there's a whole load of energy drink companies who may no, or may have not have... Have you, have you not Rock, seen Motorsport not Tinder? En- energy drink company. <laughs> Swipe to the Swipe right. Swipe right. Do you want that sponsorship? No, I'll swipe So what right. a rocket then? Rocket are a new, though it doesn't exist yet, budget stroke mid-market smartphone company, but it doesn't exist. They will be Eventually. at some point. Right, okay. Excellent. Who's behind Rocket? Uh, Herbie Hancock. <laughs> Neil Armstrong. <laughs> well, yeah. Buzz Aldrin for someone who could Look be. up the Herbie Hancock reference. Mm. Go right. on, Thurston, Tur- who is it? Which, 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 which well-financed, uh, probably slightly successful in the past and now trying to over-egg himself uh, British businessman is it? Uh, well, the first person uh, involved is one Jonathan Kendrick. Did we point out why we're Ooh. talking about them? Uh, they're they're new, sponsoring Williams. New title sponsor Williams, yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Kendrick, yeah. Is that Anna uh, Kendrick's dad? What do we know about Jonathan Kendrick? Uh, the sum total of nothing, so off you go. Okay, he's from the West Midlands. Fantastic. He's you an entrepreneur. Jonathan Kendrick? Right, yes, obviously. That uh, means he spends other people's money. He uh, uh, lives near Wolverhampton. This is brilliant stuff. This is this is like, this is classic. Uh, right. He was the man who brought Yokohama tyres to Europe. What on a ship? On his own? On his own. Right, that carried uh, them all. He used to work for Goodyear, and then he decided that uh, ah, Yokohama that's why he lives in Wolverhampton. That, then he decided he should uh, should be bringing Yokohama to Europe. Good, okay. Uh, That's and then he decided that mobile phones was where it was at. And decided to build his own mid-price, low-range budget smartphone that's not out yet. With his uh, new business partner... Go on. A man called uh, John Paul de Joria. Hmm. John Paul de Joria, who was business partner with Ed Brown... I thought he went, with the, went out with Eve Marie Saints in the 60s. Uh, he was business partner with Ed Brown... That started Tequila Patron. Tequila Patron. Oh, he is the yes, man behind I Tequila did. Patron. Who've just sold out for 27 bazillion dollars to Bacardi. Ah. And so that's where, that's where uh, Williams are getting some well, of the money from some, eventually. At least that man Patron. has money, so that's fine. So even though they have got a product to sell, they have got money. Even without Tequila Patron, uh, he was pretty rich because uh, he's also the man behind Paul Mitchell. Oh, the hairspray. Hairspray. The hair hairspray stuff. people. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, what's the car look like? Blue and white. We don't know. It's last year's cars with this year's wings stuck on it. Uh, so uh, Technically Toro... astute there, Nick. <laughs> That's fantastic. Toro Rosso. It's the most uh, technical analysis I've seen of this car, or the most correct technical analysis I've seen of this car. Uh, we won't talk about some other websites. That... Uh <laughs> Toro Rosso have launched their car. Yes, and that is uh, unsurprisingly in Red Bull colours with Honda down the side. It looks very similar to last year and has some bits they've borrowed, even more bits they've borrowed off of the, the parent team, uh, Red Bull, than before. Yep, that's been launched. They uh, ran that today in... Oh, where they run it? One in Italian. Misano. Misano. Yeah. Uh, we have a Red Bull livery, but not a livery launch. 
No, we have a Red Bull car launch in a different livery that's one-off, and everyone's got overexcited about not realising it's a one-off. It's, well, it's just and, a launch livery. And when we actually start racing, it look the same as it always does. Um, with just the, uh, the the various logos, the engine manufacturer moved around. They've, they they actually go on to their third one in four years, even though of course they've officially had Renault, but it was Tag Heuer. The Honda stickers on the uh, launch car are very small. Aston Martin much bigger. Mm. Uh, Haas launched uh, that was last a week. Livery, livery, livery. We've seen three cars. The three cars we've actually seen is the, are the Toro Rosso, the uh, Red Bull, and the Mercedes. And the Mercedes and the Red Bull uh, are both fully formed machines that will be looking the same way on on Monday as they do now. Um, as we're of course testing kicks off in Barcelona. Both shook, shook down at different parts of the uh, Silverstone circuits. They weren't on the track at the, whilst they were on the track at the same time. It wasn't the same part of the track at the same time. Uh, doing their 100km, which are allowed to do filming promotional day, on promotional tyres. Uh, both ran without uh, problems, and everyone was all thumbs-uppy about it, but the real fighting starts uh, on Monday. Thumbs-uppy. Yeah, and everyone else has been re- launching cars which aren't the cars, because they're not quite ready, and what I did think was very funny was a well-known uh, website um, berated Renault for making very little progress over the winter before they realised it actually was last year's car with this year's wings on it. Mm. <laughs> Uh, Racing Point, they showed off their car today. No, it's a livery. It's the livery with the new wings. Uh, so that was okay. last year's car. With this year's wings. This year's wings and this year's livery. Yes. Right? We've only seen three cars. The Toro Rosso, the Red Bull, and the Mercedes. Everything else has been a hybridised version of last year's cars. A mock-up. They've all what, got this year's livery. What's the words mock-up? Yeah. What colour is the Racing Point? It's still pink. It is still pink. It's still sponsored by magnesium water. Whatever that B- is. is that BWT? Yeah. yeah. Right. I think that there's a lot of people people who are going to wonder about where a lot of the sponsors' money comes from. We're back to the... Hey, everybody's been talking on Twitter and other social media outlets about throwback, about heritage liveries <laughs> and having a throwback weekend. We're doing it. With firms that have no product but when, lots of money. When the Italian pasta starts turning out, well, they've got some problems. Fantastic. Uh, have we got time to talk about the well, other sponsors? Or well, not? There, there's. Can we quick, quick to get back to Mercedes? Yes. Yeah. Uh, say much about it. Uh, um, how does that look? Blooming marvellous. They've and they've and they've got a heavily revised engine, where they've optimised everything even more, which must be worrying people. Uh, particularly well. The, both the Mercedes and the Red Bull look very impressive. You just kind of feel that the uh, the, the big metally bit in the back of the well, the middle of the Mercedes <laughs> is going to be... Is that the uppy downy yeah, roundy round? Uppy downy roundy whizzy whizzy electrical bing machine electrical bing is going to be significantly better than the one in the back of the Red Bull and the real question and the one sweepstake I want to run within the team is at what race do Red Bull start slagging off Honda? Because I'm thinking, was oh, that might, the over and under for next I year? I think I'm going to go quite a long way. I'm going as far as Spa Sil- before I think they si- start slagging. I off. think Silverstone. What's, yeah. what's the race after Monaco? Is it Canada? Yes, normally. I'm going Canada. What the first power circuit of the year? Oh, good shout! Well, that's, I'm saying Silverstone. I'm saying I reckon they'll go to Spa because they'll say because we've obviously got you've got two power circuits in a row and they'll start whinging big style. At, at speculatement for where <laughs> Honda starts getting no, the bad word <laughs> when they start when it stops being oh yeah we've got to work together and starts it was, you know and I'm they're gonna, costing us race wins mm, now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm going to say that I'm going to include Helmut Marco. I'm not eliminating Helmut Marco, so, I'm, so it is possibly making it more likely that Till be right. Will, will, will 
Christian Horner be telling us what he wants, what he really, really wants? <laughs> Very probably. Because they're back on tour. They are. They are. He's, you know, it's good, mm-hmm. it's good if it all goes wrong. His, uh, his missus is going to earn a, a tidy crust as well, isn't it? Uh, Adrian McElroy says, considering the size of the Honda logo on the new Red Bull livery, I think their doubts about how good they are have already kicked <laughs> off. Couldn't argue anymore. I, I actually <laughs> said at, at dinner, I said, so I can't believe how the, the Aston Martin logos are massive and they're just a kind of a, a friend sponsor. And the, the, the company is bunging all the cash in Amplify the engines get it. Like, Honda. It's Aston Martin Red Bull Racing. It's, 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 it it's like at the back. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Aston Martin's a cool brand, though, isn't it? No, no, why it wouldn't you? Know, why wouldn't you want to be a cool involved? brand? Look at the NSX. It's sold awfully. Oh. Yeah, it hasn't hasn't ignited at all. Well, hopefully not. Unlike early Ferraris, of course, which did. Awful. Well, it was a worry with that NSX hmm? about that actually with the hybrid. Yeah. About okay. ignition. But yes, yeah, so anyway, so moving so on. The, the point about the really thing, but as far as the cars are concerned, we actually what really happens is, is Monday uh, when they hit the ground in Barcelona. I'm conscious we're short of time, so are we going to have to hold over the comments the sponsorship of, of no, not Jubis at all, nature? because uh, we're going to move on to the car that's launching tomorrow, the which McLaren. is the the BAR. Yes, McLaren have picked up some sponsorship from British American Tobacco, not. Obviously, for cigarettes, that'd be awful. No, it's much like Ferrari's Mission Winnow. Um, it's all about oh, let's not sponsoring even. people to use your manufacturers giving up products to make them give up the products you've addicted them to in the first place. No, it's your not, main it's products. It's not giving up products. Mm-hmm. It's, it's vaping. Be, yeah, which is supposed to be... Which, sorry, it's... It's less dangerous products. How do we know? We have no clue because they're not regulated. Short-term less dangerous. We don't know because they're do not you know regulated. I couldn't agree with you more, John. I'm just trying to give a bit of a... No, um, I'm I think sorry. It's I, personally. I, I, I'm, I'm completely it's against It's worse it. than smoking. Have you said coming out the side of people's cars, the people doing it all in The Philip, in, the in Philip Morris guy was on the radio. It's awful. And he said that, you know, we are we are committed now. We are committed now to making sure that everyone switches to safer products for, you know, uh, imbibing nicotine. And we don't want anyone to smoke anymore. We're going to stop everyone smoking and get them on the safer products. And I think Jeremy Vine turned around and said, well, why don't you just stop making cigarettes then? Yeah. And he said, oh, no, we couldn't do that because someone else would fill the void. It's rubbish. It's just, they're just trying to you know, have their cake and eat it. And they are very much um, exploiting a loophole. And if you look at the Mission Winnow uh, logo and tell me that that does not... Remind you of something remind else. Remind me of another logo. Gently. Not even subconsciously. Mm-hmm. I wonder what Andy would say about that. He knows about that sort of thing. But to me, that's so close to the boat. And, of course, it is being investigated by the Australian um, government. And it may be as uh, uh, one of the, uh, I think it was as, yeah, maybe they end up having to have a, in, in drab grey, the uh, olive green <laughs> with a picture of a diseased lung on the on the side pod. That would uh, speed up the Ferrari's uh, demise. But yeah, I mean, I'm not very happy. I mean, what does it matter? It, it, the, the money that's coming from these organisations, you know, they're trying, is, is, is talking around. But really, come on, boys. Is this the best you can do? The king of sponsorship, the best he can do? Is that the, really? Moving on. Uh... Any other Formula One stories we want to talk about? Um, do you know what? I think we've had a lot of flim-flam this week. Flim-flam. Flim-flam. Excellent word. Smoke and mirrors. The big week is next week when the cars hit the ground. And the good news is we're looking like we're not going to have a washout and a freeze-out like last year. Mm-hmm. The weather's looking quite pleasant. I think it's 15, I think is, is the, which is good enough to get some... Uh, tyre temperature in the car so I think we're going to have three really productive days Um, and when we come for next Wednesday um, we'll have a chat about it 
Uh, very quickly, and I'm going to jump ahead in the, our little uh, list of what we're going to talk about. Oh. Um, I just want to quickly cover off the MotoGP story uh, right. with Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is Andre Yanone missing uh, pre-season testing? Uh, that's great, because I didn't know why he injured himself. No, he's recovering from cosmetic surgery. Right. Right. <laughs> really? Yeah. What's he had done to himself? A nose job or something? Perhaps we shouldn't ask. A uh, chin job, I believe. What? What? To fit underneath his helmet so he can get really? a close... Really? Is that not a vicious rumour? He's had his chin reduced so he can get a close to the tank. <laughs> See, that's commitment. That is commitment, yes. That's he's, what you he want. He no longer has a face. He's removed it all. <laughs> Good news for Bradley Smith, though, who uh, replaced him. Oh, right, okay. Do you know, I, I hadn't seen that story, which, is, which I feel is remiss of me, because it's the sort of story I love. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsports Series uh, 14, Episode 6. We're running out of time, uh, but we've still got a couple of guests to fit in, Tim, don't we? We do. Let's move on to British Touring Cars. All right, let's do those, that. Uh, those people at Rocket uh, um, are involved in British Touring Cars. They're sponsoring uh, Nick Hamilton yes, in uh, Motorbase Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a David much Bartram. bigger announcement uh, today in Touring Cars, didn't we? Yeah, Yes, we did. And on the and he's been hanging on for a little while now, so we say thank you very much to uh, Mark Blundell, uh, who uh, is he's giving up his uh, his career, successful career in driver management and going back to racing. Mark, thanks for joining us on Midweek Motorsport. How are you? I'm very well, John, very well. Um, come on then, tell me the story here. You've been super successful out of the car for quite a long time now, driver management, all that kind of good stuff that you and I have talked about down through the years. What on earth has tempted you to go back to racing? (laughs) It's a very good question. (laughs) One I'm still asking myself, but there you go. Um, Hey, listen, I think we're at a point in, uh, in my life, I know that, that if I don't do something again now, I won't have the opportunity. Um... And the opportunity made itself available. Um, we've got some great partners coming on board of us. Uh, we're going to announce those in the very near future. I think they're going to surprise some people as well. It's going to be great for uh, British Touring Car Championship. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's got to be about. It's got to be about fun. Uh, why British Touring Cars, Mark? Um, down through the years, I, I won't embarrass you by saying how long I've been watching you driving and, <laughs> and sometimes talking about it. I mean, you've done everything. You've done single-seaters right up to the highest level of Formula One. You've raced at Le Mans. You've done all kinds of weird and wonderful things. And in fact, when I was doing my research here, I even found you did a bit of motocross. But you've never done touring cars before. Why is now the right time? And why do you want to get, tick that one off the list, if you like? I, I think I think you just hit the nail on the head. I've, I've pretty much done, you know, most things that have got four wheels and two wheels. Um, World Rally, I've done that. I've done uh, sports cars. I've done IndyCar. I've done, you know, various forms of racing. And, and touring cars has, has never been something that I've uh, dipped my toe in the water with. Um, and Alan Gow, who, uh, you know, heads up the BTCC, uh, has been on at me for the last five or six years come and do it, come and do it. And I said, no, I'm busy. I've got a business to run and I'm trying to build. And we got to a stage where, you know what, Uh, all the things have aligned themselves. So, yeah, let's go for it. Let's go and make it happen. Now, the question is, who's managing you then? Are you managing yourself? (laughs) (laughs) I I have a very well-known chairman called Theopathetis 
who um, not only chairs my company, but I think I'm now going to put myself in his capable hands to manage me. There you go. I can't manage myself. Impossibility. Uh, that, that's been said of you and me for many a long year, Mark, <laughs> on very m- many different things uh, as well. Tell me a little bit about the team uh, and how it's all come together. Young Jake Hill, of course, we followed his career for for very many years. He was confirmed to the team back in ooh, December now. Tell, tell me a little bit about uh, how all this deal's come together. Uh, to, to be really honest with you, we've been discussing things with a number of teams and... Uh, I think at the end of it all, we got to a situation with Sean Hollenby, uh, Dan Kirby, who's part owner with the team as well, uh, AMD Tuning, uh, which which fitted. And I I mean that in the the Mm. greatest uh, respect. It fitted for us commercially. It fitted in what we needed to do and achieve outside of the car, which at this day and age is very important, just as much as what's going on track. And actually what they've done with the cars over the winter and, and, and what we feel is possible still makes it very competitive and, and it has to be you know for, for myself I've got to be going into a car knowing that it's still going to be competitive and knowing that I've got half a chance but don't take anything away from you know the, the estimations I've got on myself and what's going to be around me I know full well that those guys on the uh, on the grid are quality drivers you know the young ones the old ones they're all fantastic guys you still got pointy elbows Mark because you need to have them out in the British Touring Car Championship <laughs> that hasn't changed <laughs> Well, well, I think the old guys who know me will probably know me well enough to know that that will be you know, my elbow sticking out, John, and nobody else's. Um, the young ones maybe might have to find their way around them, but there you go. <laughs> and what do you know about young Jake Hill? I mean, the first person you want to beat is your, is your teammate. As I say, we've watched his career over uh, many years. I, I commentated on ITV with his dad, and uh, in, in fact, I, I, I may well have helped to teach Jake to drive back many, many years years ago in a deserted car park. I think the statute of limitations has run out on that now. He's a bit of a hot shoe, Mark. You've got your hands full with that one. Oh, listen, you know, when you've uh, when you've set yourself next to some big names in Formula One and, uh, and elsewhere in the motorsport world, uh, I think I'm a little bit too long in the tooth now to be worried about who's sitting uh, across the garage from me. Um, but saying that, I am definitely going to go there to try and... Uh, hold my own. But, uh, you know, honestly, I want to go there and try and support Jake and support the team. Um, Because when you get to the stage of the career where we are, and and this is, you know, my career has actually been been and gone, but I'm I'm coming back to do something for fun. Um, There's a a contribution that you make that I think, I I hope will make a difference. And uh, if, if Jake can be on the end of that to benefit him, then fantastic. Serious question now. I know you're going to have some fun doing this, but time-wise, Mark, this is quite a big commitment. British Touring Car Championship, uh, lots of racing spread throughout the year. How are you going to be able to fit that in? Which, with which is with what is what I know is a very busy uh, work schedule that you have. You don't get to be successful in your game um, with MB. Um, by sitting around with your feet up, and, and you guys do an awful lot of hard work behind the scenes. And, and is this is there enough time? I suppose is what I'm saying to to, to take this seriously. Well, I think I think that's pretty much why it's taken a few years to get to uh, where we are today. Um, I made a commitment to the business. I made a commitment to the drivers I look after. You know, people like Gary Paffett, Mike Conway. I've been managing those guys for 13 years. And, um, you know, Tom Blinquist, Jordan King, Andrew Watsons and all the youngsters we've got, you know, young careers like Kian Jewis uh, on the rise. So 
there's a team of us, you know, it's not just me. Um, and at the same time, you know, board meeting has been very uh, vocal. And is there enough time for me to go and do what I want to do at the weekends? It's 10 weekends. I think we can do it. Will I be doing testing every week? No. Right. Um, will I be able to make sure that I get up at six o'clock instead of seven o'clock in the morning to do a day's work? Yes. But, you know, that's that's been me from day one. I'm, I'm a grafter. I'm not uh, I'm not somebody sitting around on their hands and knees and uh, worrying too much. Can I be slightly cheeky, cheeky uh, Mark, and ask you about your fitness level? I know these are sprint races and not what you used to do in the Le Mans cars, but are, are, are you... <laughs> Are you thinking about... None of us are getting any younger, is what I'm saying. You're a bit younger than me, I think, but none of us are getting any younger. Have you been thinking about that? Oh, yeah, I have. Um, listen, uh, I've uh, I've developed a great taste for um, fine wines and lunches. Um, nothing wrong with that. I, nothing wrong with that. And uh, when you do uh, you know, a professional race career and you're, uh, you're on five six seven meals a day and uh you know the, the beauty of a, of a fine steak at night is uh, is one that you relish but listen i i'm going to commit myself to do it uh, as as professionally as i can from what i know days gone by am i going to get back to fighting weight like i was in an f1 car an indy car no am i going to get myself where i'm a little bit more uh how shall i say it you know slight Spelt. Uh, yes. I like the word yeah. spelt. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to be toned, John. That's the problem. But uh, <laughs> I, I think um, I, I think you know I think we'll uh, we'll go and hold our own on that side. I, I've looked down the pit lane. I still think there's a few guys up in my category, so we're okay. I love it. Uh, there's no harm in carrying your own a little bit of your own success ballast, Mark. I'm sure it'll be good. <laughs> I, I hope you catch the bug again. It sounds like you're going to enjoy it. The uh, the thing that's going to be the problem, of course, is if you enjoy it too much, you'll be looking to do other things. Mark. This will not be the end of it. You know it won't be. <laughs> no, listen, listen. I, I know where my I know where my time is and where I need to allocate it. I think I've just about maxed it out uh, going forward for 2019. Um, and as I said to you, I've got uh, a board of directors and a strong chairman, and I think I'll soon get put back in my box. All right, good luck, Mark, and I'm sure you will enjoy it. The other half of the driving duo, who's on the phone now, is Jake Hill. Jake, you must have been delighted already in December when you got the news of the the drive. Now you find out that somebody of the experience of of Mark is going to be your teammate. Does that does that change the does that change the playing field a little bit? Do you know what? Not at all, actually, John. It's um it's a huge privilege to be teammates with with such a legend. You know, let's be honest, he's a you know such a well experienced guy. Um, it's just it's just going to be so much fun. I hope you know it'd be nice to see what what he can bring to the team and what I can learn from him, um, you know, being a being a young driver. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting, but I can't wait. Full season for you in British Touring Car Championship. I know how hard you've been working towards this over the, the last few years. Was there a bit of a sigh of relief uh, when you knew it was going to happen at the back end of last year? Yeah, completely. Uh, you know, I didn't have the best uh, 2018, so to finish the year with you know signing for a new team um in you know in the brilliant audi s3 it should be yeah it was a complete complete relief um it should be you know so much fun that's the other that's the other aspect to it well that's the word that mark's been talking about there uh, a lot you've got to stay focused there's a bit of a difference between the two sides of the garage in terms of mark coming back to racing very much sounds like he's taking it seriously but he wants to get a bit of enjoyment out of it you're starting a career you're into your career um does that mean a, a, a bit of a difference in in the way that the, the two sides of the garage is, is going to be operating 
Uh, I think at first, it, it, you know, we want to complete, you know, synergy between between us both. Um, you know, I don't see any reason why we why we should be working. We both want the the same goal. You know, we want to do the same as well as he as well as we can. Um, and obviously, we want to better each other uh, constantly. I would I would hope so. Yeah, I don't see why there should be any difference. Uh, maybe Mark wants to get something out, uh, something out of it, other, um, you know, different to me rather. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't see why there should be any difference. I think we're just going to move forward and, and get the car into the best possible place. It's never easy, as you found out last yeah. year in the British Touring Car Championship, which seems to be on a, a real upswing again now, Jake. And it's a good, is it a good place to be for a young driver? I mean. We we often talk in even in sports car terms about guys not necessarily pursuing single seaters anymore as a career path and wanting to get a roof over their heads in GTs and touring cars. Now, is it still a good place to be and to ply your trade as a as a young up and coming driver? I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, John, you know, you've known me many years now, um, and to be honest, you know, I still want to go and do the whole Le Mans. Uh, dream eventually that that is my end goal uh, at some point but for now I'm so happy in touring cars um, it is a great place to be also we have to remember that the hybrid era of touring cars is upon us it will mm. be coming soon um, and with that hopefully um, some of the manufacturer uh, backing and everything will come back into the touring car sport um, and that may provide a good ground for us young drivers to have a proper career in touring car racing. Uh, the team that you are with are very experienced, but as you say, manufacturer support, is that something that as a young driver you're always looking to? You're looking to get in with a manufacturer and have a, a long career? We, we think of people like you know McNish and Christensen mm. with Audi. I know that was sports cars, but you think of people like Andy Prio coming through touring cars with yeah. BMW and then moving on to Ford. Is that the sort of thing that you, you aiming, you're aiming for still? Yes, hundred uh, percent. You know, there's no two ways about it. It would be fantastic if um, you know AMD and Trade Price Cars Racing can eventually become uh, a manufactured team. That would be brilliant. Um, but yeah, you know, in, in touring cars, we're always looking up to you know BMW, WSR, and Team Dynamics with the Honda. Um, you know, you're always looking up to those guys. They're you know they're the top players in the mm. championship. Uh, and they're the top teams. They're the ones with the manufacturer backing behind them, uh, and the great, you know, the great manufacturing names. So, you know, that's always what you're looking up to. But if you know that when, if and when the hybrid era comes, you know, it comes in in the next couple of years, um, it's going to be interesting to see what the manufacturers make of it and whether we can get some more manufacturers on board. Do you dare set yourself when we look towards 2019 season? Do you dare set yourself targets, or is that a dangerous thing to do? Uh, it's, it's tricky because I've not even driven the car yet. Um, so it's hard for me to say, yeah, I reckon we can do this or we can do that with it. Um, but, you know, personally, I want to get back on the podium again. Um, it was the best best feeling ever. Uh, and also, I'm you know, I'm searching so hard for that race win. Um, that's that's what came so close last year. So if we can if we can nail that one to bed, that would be uh, that would be fantastic. But, you know, let's just see. I'm not going to say it's going to do this. It's going to do that until I've driven it. Um, and I'm sure Mark will, Mark will do the same, but hopefully we can work together um, and get the best possible results out of this Audi. 
Well, amazing that you're going into this year with a man like Mark Blundell and you're actually the senior partner in terms of uh, touring car <laughs> yeah. experience with him not having any. Um, we wish you the best, mate. Uh, great to hear the news. I was very excited to hear the news in uh, in December. I'm not still not really certain what to make of Mark coming back, <laughs> as, as you heard when we were having that, that chat there. Uh, final question from me, and it's the most important one. You still looking after that uh, 118th scale uh, 917 that I gave you? I'm looking at it right now on the shelf. Never in the um, world. <laughs> I promise you, yeah. No, thank you so much for John. What a present. That was a long, long time ago. Good to know that long you're looking after that. Jake, you're all the best for the season, man. Come on and talk to us through the year, won't you? Thanks, Tom and D. Will do. Yeah, cheers, cheers, Jake. And and before that, Mark Blundell as well. Wait till the end of the show tonight. We're in overtime. And uh, by the way, that model I was talking about was the Le Mans winner from 1970, the bright red. Uh, you, you see, I, I provided him with his engines for about a year in in ready control car racing, and they were they were electric electric uh, motors. Uh, so he's, he, he knows he, he's a student of the sport. Is Jake Hill? Oh yeah. Uh, if you do well, uh, Tim Gray, we're in overtime. Uh, Tim Gray, just before we move on, a uh, couple of things to pick up on from uh, Mark Blundell. So we've had Bl- I thought Jake, Brundle and Brundle tonight. I thought Jake was very disciplined in answering some of those questions. He was. You, you ask him what uh, he thinks Mark's going to bring to the team, and obviously Mark has already answered that question. Steak and red Steak wine. Steak and red wine. Yeah, absolutely. Then, uh, the difference in the two sides of the garage. Well, obviously one of them's twice the age of the other, and probably twice the weight, more than twice the weight of no, the other. No, he's not. Mark Blundell, Mark Blundell. Mark Blundell is 51 or 52. He's 52. Jake celebrates his 25th birthday next Friday. Right. So he's more than twice When we were setting up those, uh, when we were setting up those phone phone interviews earlier on the day, I spoke to Mark off the air. He assures me he's 90 kilos. Well, Jake's about 30. No, Jake, I think he's 60. 65, maybe. He was the lightest to driving touring cars last year and I think he was 56 I tell you if Billy is, is 90 kilos honestly I'd be very impressed because I'm Me 100 too, kilos yes. I'm more than 90 mm. and I'm but a I'm, lot I, more svelte than I did Mark not Lundell. bring that up in the in the in the fauna there it was we'll, good to have those two guys on and they, and they were very good to wait till we'll the end of the show we'll find out at uh, Brands Hatch because <laughs> before the first practice session of the season everybody gets weird everybody gets weighed on everybody the flat patch everybody gets weird very good very good. Uh, and last year, I believe it was Matt Neal who was the heaviest. But Matt Neal's six foot six, so he's got an excuse. Yeah, yeah no, he's got heavy bones. He's always tell me, told me he's got heavy bones, a bit like me. Heavy bones. Uh, still to come this evening, uh, Hurley Haywood, newly announced Grand Marshal for Le Mans 2019. And Dan Davis will have a, a little short history of Brumos coming up after this programme, recorded live uh, at... Daytona, the Rolex 24, what, earlier on this month, uh, back into last month, I suppose, when we actually did it. Uh, and thank you to Porsche for that. And uh, what else have we got? Uh, oh, yes, big news tonight. Yes, we had some big news uh, Se- just over an hour ago. Sebring WEC on RS3. I think I said RS1, I apologise. RS3, thanks to Michelin Tyre North America and to Porsche North America. Every single session from the WEC at Sebring, live on RS3, 
and on the PA and our scanner frequency, thanks to IMSA and the WEC, WEC for allowing us to do it, IMSA for allowing us to use the facilities and giving us some technical assistance as well to get that out for those of you at the track and around the world on RS3, obviously the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring presented by Advanced Auto Parts will be on IMSA Radio RS2. Tim, you 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 said you had a big announcement. I mean, lots of people have been saying they've had big announcements this Huge week. Huge announcements. I mean, yesterday, well, well for a week, um, uh, a NASCAR driver has been saying he's had a massive announcement. Right. Um, and it was announced live on NBC yesterday, I believe. Was it? Yes. Excellent. And the massive announcement was that Jimmy Johnson... Is... Going to run the Boston Marathon. Mm. Underwhelming, wasn't that's, it? That's amazing. So my big, Your big announcement, announcement is that I am not going to run the Boston excellent, Marathon. Excellent, excellent. And you know what? Nick and I are sitting here, and right are now... Are going to I, join me? I think we're going to join you in not running the Boston Marathon. I, I'm, I'm definitely not running it next year. Right, uh, I'm but you're still leaving the options open. Opposite this year, yeah. I, I'm, whether I'm not going to write this year or not. I, right. I know that uh, Declan Brennan, Excellent. who lives not far from Boston, uh, <laughs> will also be joining us this year in not running not the running Boston it. Marathon. Excellent. All good stuff. Series 14, episode 6 of Midweek Motorsport. We are well into overtime, but uh, we're going to go for another couple of three minutes. Uh, with the Brumos show coming up next. Please stay tuned for that. Hurley Haywood, Dan Davis. It's an absolute cracker. But Tim's got a couple of stories before we end tonight's show. Staying actually with Jimmy Johnson. Right. Uh, <laughs> really? Uh, NASCAR is uh, starting properly this weekend. But obviously what used to be known as the Bud Shootout and is now just called The Clash. Uh, the Crash at The Clash. Happened at uh, How many cars Daytona. finished? Well, 20 laps to go. There were quite a lot of cars left. Mm. And uh, Paul Menard was leading and mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Johnson was second. And Did Carl Busch was third. And then uh, Paul Menard was sideways and Jimmy Johnson was looking over his shoulder with a big grin on his face. He called it a pr- productive day. How do you do that in, one, in the seats they've got? Where they got the kind of they got their hands devices and they've also got the big thing yeah, to stop them from the oval. How do you look at it? Well, you know. Right. So the 17 cars were eliminated <laughs> in the crash that started the with crash. Jimmy Johnson. The crash at the clash. Tapping the back of uh, Paul Menard. Did they go to the stewards? Uh, no, because then it started raining, so they couldn't even restart. So Jimmy mm. Johnson's won. Mm. It's the first thing he's won for two years in NASCAR. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Um, spookily, somebody sent me... Um, I think it's the latest NASCAR game which has the so it's nascar 19 or whatever it is has the top three qualifiers for daytona in the right order on the cover which is very interesting uh yes because will byron will be on pole for the 500 won't he will he yes right okay uh because obviously they've had qualifying uh daytona 500 this weekend Mm. uh staying in the states indycar They've been testing. Their, their big pre-season test uh, started yesterday at the Circuit of the Americas. Mm. Uh, how do the speeds of Indy cars around the Circuit of Americas compare with Formula 1 cars around the Circuit of Americas, Nick Damon? They're slower. How much slower? 17 seconds. 14 seconds. 
wasn't a bad guess, was it? <laughs> that was a pretty good guess. No, but <laughs> hang on. But that was only the first runs, and that was only on Lewis Hamilton's fastest time. So they were only about 10 seconds off the rest of the field, and they haven't really dialed the cars in yet. We shall see what develops. And obviously the weather conditions were vastly different as well. Yeah. And the tyres. And the tyres. And the tyres. Uh, but we've got some bad news uh, for one IndyCar driver. Really? Yes. Uh, the last year's Indy Lights champion, Pato Award, uh, has uh, oh, parted yes. from Harding Steinbrenner Racing. Uh, now, oh, I was at Portland at the end of last year when uh, that title was decided and it was announced that Award would uh, get a season racing with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it might not have been announced then, but everyone was talking about it then. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, however, uh, sponsorship difficulties mean I thought the difficulty was they didn't, they couldn't get another engine. Well, that's uh, that's not sponsorship. That's, that's just that's not having one an of engine. The difficulties. <laughs> they had uh, some sponsorship difficulties and only one engine. Mm. Um, although they Always do have a second engine for the Indy 500. Mm. Uh, this this is. Uh, Marshall Pruitt has uh, put a pretty comprehensive account of this together for racer.com and I recommend you go and read it. Yes, Marshall and uh, Pato are uh, very close so you can be certain that anything that Marshall writes on this subject is going to be uh, the absolute truth. Well, no, I I agree with that And, and, and Marshall has never been backward in coming forward. And there's been a certain amount from other journalists of, oh, yeah, we knew this was going to happen. Uh, yeah, this is just how it works. Um, that's not what Marshall has written. Um, it's from inside the paddock. I heartily recommend it. It's a fine piece of journalism. And it's the harsh realities of, of what goes on. And if you haven't read it, I recommend you go to racer.com and look at it. It is unfortunate for Pato, Um uh, it, it might well be the harsh realities, but it still doesn't make it any less unfortunate. Let's uh, look at some tweets before we round off tonight. Uh, Adrian Michael Reese is in... Oh, this all breaking news here. Announcing his retirement from Formula One. As Shea Adams says, I'd also like to join the team in announcing I will not be running the Boston Marathon ever. Ever? No. Ever. That's on, a bit extreme. Shea actually does a sort of jogging practice, which means you could one day run the marathon. Right, I, thought, I thought Shea was very much the most likely of Me all too. of us Absolutely. to run the Boston Marathon. Yes. Is it because it's too cold in Boston the whole time? Shea doesn't run anything, un- uh, doesn't run anywhere unless she's being chased by something that's not nasty. Um, I only <laughs> run a bath. <laughs> and the bath wins. Uh, right, Ted Lover says, will there be a proper documentary accompanying you and the team on your way to not running the Boston Marathon? Which is something we've thought about, yeah. yeah. Tony Calderon, who's done the uh, Gentleman Driver. Um, See if we can get it on Amazon Prime or something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolute next Netflix at the weekend. Actually, well done to Tony for that. If you haven't seen that yet, go and have a look. Uh, Netflix, global release. Uh, watched it all the way through on a big screen at the weekend for the first time. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed it and Tony's done a great job uh, let's finish off with a V8 supercar story Virgin Australian supercars Tim what do you have Craig Lowndes Lowndesy will be <laughs> inducted into the Australian Motorsport Hall of Fame next month right uh, he's one of 12 new additions to the honour roll uh, alongside Mick Doohan Mark Scaife Mark Webber Larry Perkins and Sir Jack Brabham 
Mm-hmm. He said, it's great to be nominated for the Australian Motorsport Hall of Fame. You don't get into the business for these sorts of awards, but it's nice to be recognised for what we've done, what yeah. we've achieved, and what you give back to the sport. Absolutely. And uh, by the way, if you haven't seen the pictures of the new Mustang Virgin V8 supercar, uh, Virgin Australian supercar machine, looked a bit weird in its camo and even in all white. In livery, it looks but I know it's not quite the right proportions because it's still got to run a sort of four-door size but with a two-door body and it looks all a bit weird. But in livery colours, have you seen it yet, Nick? Nope. Oh, looks good. Looks very good. Looking forward to that. All kicks off uh, in under a month's time at the Adelaide 500. Johnny Palmer will be there. If he ever gets out of Cairns... No, he's stuck in Cairns forever. No, he's, he's left Cairns, hasn't he? Has he's, he left Cairns? He's moved up, up the coast. Really? Down the coast, hopefully. Is that is that where the um, the hippie convoy took him in their, uh, in their micro bus? Who knows? I, in a fried-out convoy? I just kind of feel he's out there doing the whole spaced-out thing from the late 60s, 50 years too late. I suspect Flower that child. He's done Johnny's that already. Spaced, <laughs> spaced out Johnny Palmer is not much different to Johnny Palmer. Uh, that's, just, that's harsh. Just less reporting sheets. You've been listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 14, episode number six. Can I quickly uh, say WRCs this weekend? No. Where? Sweden. Ah, Schweiz. So it's Formula E. Ev- uh, that's in Mexico, not Sweden. Uh, everyone's no. really excited about the prospect of it. And in Formula E, Felipe Nazar is uh, replacing someone. Excellent. <laughs> uh, Adrian Michael Reese yeah, says it's a, it's a falcon-shaped Mustang or a Falstang, if you want. Or, or is it not Falstang? It's like a Shakespeare character. It's like a Shakespeare character. I like Muskong. Verily, Falstang, thy must have stabbed the king. See? I'm turning you <laughs> off. Nick Damon will be appearing in pantomime. There was. Was already. <laughs> He'll be at the Globe. Shakespeare love. 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 Uh, right, stay tuned. Play. Stay tuned for <laughs> Brumos. Uh, really worth listening to. Not very much of me and an awful lot of Hurley Haywood and Dan Davies as they give a brief history of um, uh, Brumos racing as recorded live. Uh, thank you to Porsche at the Rolex 24 hours. We'll be back next week at the same time. Enjoy what comes up next. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.